This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylor. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're building parks for children and dying of stomach cancer as we watch Spine 221 in the Criterion Collection. Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru from 1952. But first, RJ, mm. how are you living these days? We're in uh, week three, three and a half since the world went crazy. Um, I think I'm doing okay. I made shepherd's pie today. Oh, yeah. You know when you got some leftover mashed potatoes and you're like, I was gonna eat them all, but I was like, this is probably six whole full size potatoes mashed. I I don't know if I can eat all of this in one go. So we made a little shepherd's pie, uh, courtesy of uh, Maddie Matheson and his recipe of uh, Just a Dash. I hope you're spending your time watching Maddie Matheson cooking instructional videos, right? I don't know him, and I don't like him. I recommended him to you once. I know. Well, anyways, uh, I made shepherd's pie based on uh, his formula, and uh, I'm happy to report it turned out great. Yeah, I think you also sure. sent me a, uh, a snapshot of a bacon and eggery thing. Ah, yeah. So what we do now, it's a little ham and agar, Jarrett. A little ham and agar. Uh, we've gotten creative with this stuff. So, And by creative, I mean something that I'm sure a lot of people do before, and it's new to us. So we put a, a, whole, a whole slice of ham in a muffin tin in each little compartment of the muffin tin. And then we get like eight eggs, whisk them up, put in a little salt, pepper, a little hot sauce, and then shred a bunch of cheese. Put that stuff in there too. You kind of mix it together, and then you pour the egg into the little ham cup, and then you bake that bad boy, and then uh, easy peasy breakfast. You know what I mean? And do you eat all these little egg muffins? Uh, you can like I was averaging two for breakfast in the morning because each little cup has one slice of ham and approximately one egg in it, and then some cheese. So I was eating about two uh, a morning for about four or five days. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, pretty good, pretty, pretty good. I saw you were uh, whipping up a storm over there. Any uh, highlights? Any lowlights? Man, what did I? I can't even remember all the different. Uh, you made a, a weird pizza that I, I I remember you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You're like I I only like two ingredient or two toppings: green peppers or green olives and black olives. And I was like. It's a lot of olives, my man. A lot of, a lot of cheese. and The uh, pizza did of, look good. It, uh, it, 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 it baked beautifully. The pizza looked good. I just had a questionable doubts about the topping choice, but oh, that's yeah. that's that's my own. No, it worked thing. out pretty nicely. And then um, I think the next thing I sent you was a an apple crisp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we dabble in the apple crisp uh, frequently because Andrew is all about like reusing things so they don't go bad, which I mean is responsible. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of apple crisps and a lot of bread puddings just to reuse things before they go bad. Is that what you did with these apples? Yeah, well, the app- these were uh, after uh, buying a bag of apples. There were some mm-hmm. big, bad, nasty bruises in there. Yeah. So uh, they, but they got repurposed. They got sliced up, Good. peeled, and uh, got some uses out of those spices, those cloves, those cinnamons, Good. those. Uh, Star anise. Card- card- cardamom. Cardamom, oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Worked nice. pretty nice. Oh, there's your ham and agar. Just looking through the memories. You do you uh are, do you think you're gonna make one of those ham and agars? They're pretty good. They're I like them because they're fast. Like when when work was an a, an actual option, we'd make yeah. them 
And then in the morning, you just throw that fu- fucker in the microwave for like a minute, and you're good to go. That fucker. Uh, what else did you go? Uh, did a uh, a Thai chicken chili stir fry. Mm-hmm. And? I think it needs a little bit of pizzazz. It needs a little bit of work. But uh, I did, did not have the dried Thai red chilies that the recipe asked mm-hmm. for. So we used... Uh, fresh ones but just kind of threw them in whole and then of course you don't want yeah. to eat, you don't want to eat those so mm-hmm. the mistake was not chopping those up and incorporating into the entire dish but i think gotcha. it's it's like you know just like one remake and a step away from being uh delicious all-time banger no what sucks because there's a lot of things that are uh, out of our reach right now because we have a a beautiful pork butt pork it's either a pork butt or a pork shoulder in our deep freeze and we want to make our slow cooker tacos yeah. Uh, like our, uh, what is Al tacos, Al Pastor or something where it's like pineapple, but like with ancho chilies and you put them on a little corn tortilla. I went to the grocery store yesterday, Jared. Wow. And they were completely out of ancho chilies in the cans. They were completely out of tortillas, the entire grocery store, huh. not even flour tortillas, no corn tortillas, no flour tortillas. They were completely sold out. And I was like, huh. But the produce was maxed out because I don't think anyone's touching produce because they're like, someone could have coughed on that. And they could have. And it's possible, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I only got produce that was like baked or boxed. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was kind of a bummer because they didn't have it. And it's kind of like what you said. You didn't have access to those uh, red chilies in the way that you wanted them. Well, the, the dried ones, like that's more of mm-hmm. like, a, like a specialty, you know, Asian supermarket type of deal. And they were closed. Uh, gotcha. When, when I went, which was too bad. But uh, I have been also uh, messing with some Mongolian chicken recipes, trying to like mm-hmm. nail this, like the perfect flavor. Haven't mm-hmm. gotten there yet, but it's getting closer and closer. And every every time I've made it, it's like wound up being like a really good dish, no matter what. Mongolian chicken, you say? Mongolian chicken. Did you Were you a fan of Mongolian Grill when we had one here? <laughs> uh, not really. They oh, okay. uh, I only ever went there Overpriced? like a couple, went there a couple times and uh it, it was a strange business model, I, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they, you, 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 I don't know if people won't even know what a Mongolia grill is now. I, I don't know if it was like where how widespread it is uh, across the Th- continent. There's different names for it. I don't know what they're called other places. I just know they are called things. Yeah. Other places. It's essentially you walk in and you uh, make your own stir fry, and then mm-hmm. then the cook just goes to work with their uh, high heat, uh, you know, pan or whatever, and they just finish it for you and then they go mm-hmm. here you go and you're like yeah and huh. w- the thing here is that uh you get charged based on weight so how, yeah. how much your bowl weighs yeah. but uh when i lived in colorado one of the dorms had a mongoli grill where it's like you fill your bowl with whatever you want and then they take it stir fry it and then give it back to you yeah that was uh, the dorm was the academic village so it was only the honor roll students they only had they had the privilege well, it was in their building. Like, if you were a student, you could get into any of the dorm cafeterias, but each dorm had a different, like, theme. Mine was American, so it was burgers and fries. That was my theme. Wow. Well, I, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, I ate a lot of burgers and fries, Jared. Well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think people are appreciating this kind of banter in the uh, in, the, in these times? Well, I imagine like I'm hope, I'm assuming that most people are just like cooking for themselves right now. And sure. So they're probably sure. eating a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of food. Um, 
Oh, I also had some uh, molasses cookies that were fantastic. Ooh, those are always good. And uh, scalloped potatoes the week before. Oh, mm-hmm. can I tell you something? What scalloped potatoes are one of the easiest things to ruin. What's, I find. Wh- why is that? Because people overcook them and they burn. And good scalloped mm. potatoes are right on, man. I love good scalloped potatoes. How, but how, there's been how would they overcook them? Like, I mean, part of the problem is you you want to make sure they're a little mushy. But yep. I'm not sure about this overcooking business. I just, I find whenever I get served them, it's a 50-50 chance. It's either right on or it's like overcooked, undercooked, or they've just fucked it up somehow. So mm. I find, I usually avoid scalloped potatoes in like public settings. <laughs> public settings. That's not a thing that exists anymore. But uh, Well, especially now, now that you should not be uh, handling the same serving spoons serving tools. As, uh, as another well, human being. Exactly. So it's not an issue anymore. But right. uh, I did find in, you know, pre-apocalypse world, uh, that was something I just avoided because I was like, eh, if they didn't do it right, it's going to be bad. And <sighs> mm. so what else is going on with you? That's, that's about it. Just uh, w- waiting to read these emails. Well, hit it, man. Any females? Yes, there is. RJ. <gasps> what? Sam Sanchez. Writes in <laughs> with an email entitled "female." Oh, okay. I'm on board with that. Hey guys, so last mm-hmm. time I emailed in was I believe two Wednesdays ago, and I mentioned I was still working. Well, that was the last day of work for me before being given time off. So I've been off for about two weeks now. Though I have to go back on Monday, so that should be fun. Really? So, so wait, <laughs> how long was he off? Two weeks yeah. or not two weeks? Two weeks. Well, Jarrett, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Easter's coming. These guys got to oh. get back to work. Hey, well, even even uh, the president's changed his tune on that one. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. For now, allegedly. And, until he says he never said that again. Again. You know, uh, actually, our uh, good Catholic boys up here, they uh, they were ahead of the curve there. And they're like, yeah, if you want to uh, turn on the radio and uh, we'll broadcast that uh, sermon out to you. No problem. Don't got to come in at all. Have just been watching a ton of movies in between, having to help three elementary kids with their schoolwork at home, which is clearly a blast. Basically, just staying put away from society as normal. Damn Mm. right. Good point. And uh, good practice. Yeah. I'll be be curious to see if, uh, Sam, if if you're back at work on Monday. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if uh, if he is, he can email us. Well, I know, uh, well, Florida just uh, ordered a lockdown for a month. Yeah, what were they, like two weeks late? Yeah. Compared to everyone else? Yeah. Hey, if they get corona, they get the rona, they get the rona. It's not going to stop them from partying, right? Listen to last week's show, and mm-hmm. thanks, Jared, for recalling some useless trivia I guess I've had in my head, because when Jared mentioned uh, civets, my mind thought, mm. aren't those those ass coffee animals? Before Jared got around to mentioning the delectable trait. Well, you were ahead of the curve on that one. Nope. I guess. Glad to see RJ watching a ton of movies right now while social mm. distancing. Hopefully he doesn't run out of stuff to watch with all that he's watching. <laughs> if only he had some 70s recommendations to watch alongside rewatching DOJ. Um, okay, well, here's the thing. I, I mentioned before, I can't leave. Uh, and I am a good Catholic boy. I don't uh, download, as they say. So uh, if it's not available on stream, I have no no means to get 
these movies like The Long Goodbye and uh, other movies recommended by Sam and other people. I have no means to it. I know Jared has it, but we're not allowed to be within six meters of each other, right, Jared? That's right. right? Six six meters now. <laughs> that's that's that was before pandemic. I've yeah. always wanted to be at least six meters away from yeah. you for uh, personal yeah. reasons. Me, I've clearly been watching quality stuff like old video game adaptations. I actually Ooh. do kind of enjoy Mortal Kombat. Any favorites nice. among some of the earlier ones for you guys? Or I guess in general, since they haven't gotten all that much better, maybe I should check out Wing Commander next. Ooh, is that the, the one with Mark, ha- uh, Mark Hamill? Uh, no. Well, he was in the video game, but I think in the movie, it's like Freddie Prince Jr. And maybe Mark Hamill is in it as well, but... It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. What are the good video game movies? There's Pixels a... with Adam Sandler. That doesn't count. <laughs> uh, I, I before you get to it, I will say uh, I actually like Mortal Kombat a lot. I think Mortal yeah. Kombat one and two are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fun watches. So I support him on that. Yeah, I, I saw that Mortal Kombat uh, on my birthday the year it came out in the theater. Nice. In the theater, and uh, nice. yeah, I listened to that soundtrack a lot. Hmm. Yeah, uh, the soundtrack's awesome when you flex your butt cheeks to the Mortal Kombat song soundtrack. What? Hashtag Dom Muschietti. What? Yeah. What? What? Uh, what are your, uh, some of your picks? I think Mortal Kombat's awesome picks. Those are wicked movies. Is that like the only decent one? Those Final yeah. Fantasy movies are pretty meh. What about The Wizard? Does that count? No. It's about video games. No. No, it doesn't count. No, none of these. This doesn't even have the Uwe Boul uh, films on it. How, how, what a, what a, what a bunch yeah, of bullshit. I mean, suck si- Silent Hill had potential, Yeah, and, but it yeah. was it completely wasted. Completely wasted. Yeah. Oh, I do actually, um, two weeks ago, Sam was asking about like obscure nineties movies that mm-hmm. like we had seen as kids. And I don't know, I might have to stretch that, uh, out a little bit, but I was kind of digging through the nineties and like kind of thinking of like movies that very few people that I follow, have mm-hmm. logged, but uh, so here we go. Thunderheart, you know, you know that you know Thunderheart. Thunderheart starring Val Kilmer. I think I know Thunderheart, man. I think so. Let me. Yeah. That sounds very familiar. Oh, Thunderheart, huh? It's familiar. I don't have it as watch, so two, I don't remember it. Two but it men does sound from familiar. different worlds, two cops after the same killer. Together, they must uncover the secrets. Together, they must discover the truth. An FBI it, man with Sioux background is sent to a reservation to help with a murder investigation where he has come to uh where he has to come to terms with his heritage. A Sioux background, eh? It's got Graham Greene in it, Canadian icon. Mm-hmm. I think, right? Yep. From uh what's uh from Maverick, the hit Mel Gibson movie. Yep. Where I don't think he plays a Sioux, but some other indigenous. Uh how about Exit to Eden? Hey, before you uh, continue, Thunderheart is available for free on the CTV app, Whoa. Canadian television, <laughs> my friend. Guess what I'm watching after later? <laughs> Thunderheart. Nice. Yeah, Thunderheart. I I remember like like I really remember this movie, but I, mm-hmm. I see very few people have uh, clicked on it as watched, so maybe they've just forgotten all about it. From the director of the Up series, Mike mm-hmm. did. I'm gonna watch it uh, this week for sure. How about Exit to Eden, RJ? I don't think I know that one, my man. Starring uh, Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> a movie that was banned in Saskatchewan. 
Why? To crack the to crack this case, these two cops will have to flash more than their badges. This is from also director Gary Marshall, like noted just like hackmaster director of like mm-hmm. Pretty Woman, Princess Diaries, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Runaway Bride, Georgia Rule, Ooh, Be- one beaches. of the worst movies. Ooh, the other sister. Flamingo. Andrea just watched Princess Diaries uh, two days ago, both that, of them. That was the movie that uh, played here at the movie mill for like two years, I believe. Princess Diaries? Yeah. It never it never went away. Nice. Until it Cool. Uh, the plot of Exit to Eden, Argent. Mm-hmm. Elliot is going to the island of Eden to live out his submissive fantasies, but inadvertently photographs diamond smugglers at work. Smugglers mm-hmm. and detectives follow him to the island where they try to retrieve the film. Elliot begins falling in love with Lisa, the head mistress of the island, and Lisa must evaluate her feelings about Elliot and her own motivations. Hmm. It sounds sexual. Yes. If you if you wanted to see Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell in like bondage gear. No, well, I I can just look at my uh, my personal drawings if I want to see that. Right. Yeah. This is a movie that I remember. A friend of mine in grade five rented, and I remember being like, "Oh man, this movie's real sexy." And then mm-hmm. watching it, I was just like, "This sucks so much." <laughs> you thought it was sexy going into it? We didn't know. We, I mean, also, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't. I never saw the cover. It was just like, "Yeah, this movie. It's about this like right. club." My parents rented it. We're gonna watch it before they get here, and we watched it. It was like the opposite of anything that you'd want to watch. It was real, I've... real bad. I got gotcha. you. Uh, along those lines, there's also the movie Milk Money. I, again, you, uh, you've stumped me, my man. So, Milk Money from 1994. This movie mm-hmm. stars Melanie Griffith and Ed Harris yeah. and has Malcolm McDowell. Ooh. I, though I don't remember I like him that. in this movie at all. So, you can't get enough of a good thing, but first you have to find it. Three young boys pool their money and pay V, a kind-hearted prostitute, to strip for them. Afterward, she drives them home to the suburbs, but then her car breaks down. It's just as well, though, because a mobster named Waltzer is after her, and V realizes the suburbs are the perfect place to hide. But things get a lot more complicated when V falls in love with Tom, a single father who is unaware of her real profession. What is her real profession, Jared? A kind-hearted prostitute. What do you What do you think they mean by kind? She's she's one of the good ones as opposed to the bad ones who deserve it, apparently. Because this is nineteen ninety four. Exactly, RJ. So okay. yeah, Milk Money is this movie that I got to watch with my parents and my aunt and uncle and my cousins. We were all visiting uh, at their house and they just rented this movie from the video store because they thought, oh, this will be wholesome. We don't want to watch those violent movies that me and my cousin love to watch. Mm -hmm. No, we're going to watch Milk Money, a movie about a prostitute. (laughs) It's just like, okay. So So like Milk Money, is it, uh, are there like kids who use, use the prostitute or like where does the Milk Money come into play? Well, because the idea is that they're saving up their, like, the, those nickels and quarters, I guess, from returning milk bottles. To get the prostitute? Yes, to get them, get this prostitute to strip for them, these three young boys. It's yeah. kind of like uh, it's, it's, you and it's, your it's, pals, Corey and Lawrence, right? Exactly. This movie has, like, just baffled me for a long, long time. I've only seen it the once. Mm-hmm. No one talks about it, which is good. Mm-hmm. Everyone's better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was another one of those 
big ones for me. Uh, I don't know if you even were like cognitive of the world at this time, but in 1994 on TV uh, mm. for a couple of years, they aired these Tales from the Far Side cartoon specials. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the Gary Larson comic, The Far Side, and yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're like thirty, like God, not even thirty minutes, like twenty minute long little broadcast. They were awesome because Far Side's great. It's it sounds kind of familiar. I probably saw some reruns, but I was yeah. just a uh, but a boy, Jared. But, but a boy. But a boy. Uh, do you remember the movie Clay Pigeons? Uh, again, it sounds familiar, but uh, from, I don't really ne- know from, why. So this movie used to like. We, it got a lot of play. I mean, this is probably the least obscure movie. This one was just of note because it's got Joaquin Phoenix, mm. Vince Ooh. Vaughn, Janine Garofalo. I like all those people. And this is like probably the very beginning of Vince Vaughn's like career. Like he was pretty damn young in this. Like this was before like, uh, like the next thing I remember really seeing him in. Uh, not that young because he was in Lost World, I suppose. And Swingers. Eh, I'm wrong on that. The Rudy. He's in Rudy. Oh, that's weird. I didn't know that. He okay. just popped up. Uh, we just finished the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he was in the new season, re- replacing uh, Bob Einstein, Marty Funkhauser, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. So yeah, he was yeah. Clay Pigeons. I remember just being like advertised all the time, being like, he's an he's an odd looking guy. And then I remember hearing he was in Psycho. And then uh, mm-hmm. the next year he shows up, or a year, I guess a year and a bit later, he's in The Cell. I hated that fucking movie. <laughs> like when it came out, I was too young and it looked like super scary. But uh, I saw it once when I was like a little older and I was like, this movie's stupid. I was like, I was never scared of it. It's not scary. It's stupid. Uh, oh, and uh, of course, looking back at our Nightmare on Elm Street talk, we were talking about Jack mm-hmm. Shoulder. I totally didn't realize he directed the made for TV for Fox TV Generation X movie. Mm, starring that's cool. starring Matt Frewer. Oof. I think that's cool. No, it, it was it was an attempt, but not so good. And actually, the oh. one movie I was surprised has very few uh, views on the whole. And I guess you haven't seen this. Is Clean Slate starring Dana Carvey? Well, I've seen some Dana Carvey movies, but uh, Pogue, Clean Slate. Pogue is a private eye with a problem. Every morning when he wakes up, he has total amnesia, waking up with a blank slate. Since he is in the mm. middle of a hot investigation and has a developing romance, this is less than convenient. So, I mean, really, uh, Christopher Nolan ripped this movie off. But so this is and, Memento? And he doesn't even include the, the, the cute little dog. Well, Michael, I mean, Michael I, Gambin? Kevin Pollack? Christopher Maloney? That's right. Whoa! Star of Man of Steel? Crazy. So wait, why were you talking about these movies? Because of what Sam asked yeah, last week? Yeah, or two two weeks ago. Obscure okay. '90s movies that I, when I watched as a kid, I was like, mm-hmm. they're they're in my head. And I was going back, I'm like, oh yeah. But then there's Trial and Error. <laughs> it's starring Michael starring Michael Richards and Jeff Daniels. Hmm. Char- I mean, it- and Charlie's Theron, Rip Torn. Uh, this is a horrible comedy. But I, I, I was like, you know, really into Seinfeld and uh, loved that Kramer. And this was like mm. his first like movie they were pushing. He's like, yeah, he's an actor too. People, he, he's got range. And this movie sucks. Real. real I, ju- I just remember that show he had after Seinfeld where he was a private detective. What was it called? Like Wrench or something? Oh, yeah. He his car steering wheel was a wrench. 
Hmm. But it was something like that. Well, yeah. So the cause he, so the guy, the reason why probably even even, even talked about it at the time was that, uh, Jonathan Lynn directed it, who directed My Cousin Vinny, and so this was like uh, this okay. was another courtroom zany drama, and uh, right. it failed. Hmm. Well, what are you going to do though? Some things fail, right? And I think the most obscure one of all, uh, I think, is which baffles me is this movie called Free Enterprise, which mm-hmm. uh, is about these people who want to get William Shatner in a movie and it's got mm-hmm. lots of shitty Star Trek references. I thought more people would have mm-hmm. watched this, but I don't know if people just have forgot all about it, but I don't know. This floated around, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, video stores around my parts anyway, uh, for years. I think I had a copy of this on tape, but not, oof. not my parts. Oh boy. Must be a, uh, North side, West side thing. Maybe, maybe, I uh I I totally forgot to look at obscure movies, but when you were talking, I was thinking of '90s movies that I like that other people don't. That's almost the same thing, right? Almost, yeah. Uh, what about Three Ninjas, Jarrett? Do okay. you like Three Ninjas? I haven't seen it since I was a kid. That movie rules hard, and it's got Super Mario Bros. Three in it. Hmm. Real good. What about any Polly Shore movie? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I love Polly Shore. What about Dirty Work, which is a great that's movie? Not, okay, that's not obscure at all. No, well, I, and, I know, people but do I, I like didn't it. realize it was obscure. I thought it was movies that I liked. Yeah. That, or, oh. I thought it was movies we well, liked that other people lots, didn't. Lots of people like Dirty Work. It's just you who doesn't? I don't think it's that funny. Oh, maybe maybe you weren't watching it right. Oh, I tried. I tried, I tried revisiting it, and it still was like, oh. No dice? No dice. Right. Oh, well, what are you well, gonna do? Sam continues. <laughs> oh, geez, are we on the first email still? Yep. Holy we're, fuck! Hey, we're giving them that uh, content quarantine content. All right. Well, we might have to have a couple piss breaks, but uh, that's okay. RJ always talking about Shutter, so I'm likely going to subscribe mm. to Shutter soon myself. It looks mm. like they're doing a 30 day trial right now with promo code. Uh, I believe mm. it's called Shut In. Mm-hmm. Is the promo code? Unlike yep. their usual seven day, and seem to time perfectly since your fellow Canadian podcaster has a horror show, Cursed Films, debuting this week, and I believe is only five episodes along. So thirty days might just about cover the span. So it might be something else to potentially check out. Mm. I think that's a great idea for one because it's thirty day free trial. But two, I bet if he was really motivated, he could watch the entire catalog of Shutter movies in thirty days. There you go. All right, guys. Sorry about the long email. Got it out there earlier than normal this week. Be healthy there. Stay Mm -hmm. home and Mm -hmm. cook up some more food. Ah. Fatten the curve. (laughs) Have you been putting on any weight? Oh, probably. I mean, I'm not going out for walks um, as much as I should because you can't trust other people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, eating fine, fine food. Yeah, you can't trust other people because I was at the grocery store the other day and I was I was like looking at something about to grab it and then another hand came and grabbed the item right beside what I was touching. I was like, ugh, it's this old lady. I was like, get away from me, you old, you old bee. You old biddy. <laughs> well, I was like, it's like you're the one who should be worried. It's like playing it hot and loose here, getting close to other people. Damn. Next up. Thanks, Sam. Oh, yeah, thank you. Frank Solano. Ooh, baby. The email entitled Quarantine in Costa Rica, Breaking oh. Bad, and a fun game I stole from the internet. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, guys, it's been a while. Hope everyone has mm-hmm. had a decent week. I doubt anyone uh, could have a good one in these times, and that mm. everyone has stayed safe. 
Mm -hmm. Isolation here in Costa Rica hasn't been all that bad, considering the weather's always nice and I'm with my grandparents, so I help around the house and time just flies by. Bad part is I don't get to visit the rest of my family, and if I do leave the house, I have to be extra cautious considering my grandparents are at maximum risk. Just like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. That was me. And enough, Mm. funny enough... I haven't really been able to move, watch movies in these past few weeks. I've seen a few here and there, but it's honestly become kind of tedious for me to watch anything new, with the exception of An Elephant Sitting Still and Waves, which I think are great, but can't say I'd recommend to just anyone. No, instead of watching movies, I've actually gotten around to two shows I've been putting off. One is The Good Place from Mike Schur, one of the guys behind Parks and Rec, which is a show mm-hmm. that gets better as it progresses and has some pretty cool ideas, but whose comedy never rises to the level that Parks and Rec was at. Mm-hmm. And second, one that so many people hyped up and I never really wanted to watch, Breaking Bad. And now mm-hmm. I realize I gave that away in the title, but oh well. You see, I never found the look of the show or even the premise to be all that interesting. Old white guy with cancer makes meth just didn't sound all that appealing to me. I'm now currently on season two, though, and can at least say that's held my attention. I still don't care for the story all that much, and I usually skip mm-hmm. a little whenever Walt's wife is on or her family. <laughs> but, uh, Sky- oh, Skylar. Uh, but yeah. Walter as a character and Cranston's performance have kept me engaged. So a question for you guys. What usually hooks you to a character? I tried writing up a follow question to give this one this one more context but i couldn't quite get it out so it's basically up in the air any answer goes i'll just jump in and say that uh, my buddy Hammeet hates skylar so much he to this day texts me about how much he dislikes skylar and i'm like <laughs> i know man <laughs> like we watched it when it like we watched reagan bad when it aired and like then he was like man i hate skylar but now 10 years later he's like fucking hate Skylar and I'm like I get it man I, I don't know how to help you I will say that I always like season two of Breaking Bad like the most I think that's a very good one oh, but... especially by the end yeah oh oh yeah oh oh yeah uh I don't know about what about you Jared what are some character traits that you enjoy what hooks me into a character I I don't know I wish I did Raw sexualism? Raw sexuality. I wish Mm -hmm. I could, like, point to something because it would make my job of finding what I like a lot easier, I -hmm. guess. I I would be watching a movie and go, that doesn't have anything I want, and I just stop watching. But it works or it doesn't. There's a – I don't know. What what about sad men? Sad bastards? Well, but that comes down to the the storytelling and the film technique and presenting that sadness. Is Is it genuine or is it amusing? And, like, does it work? Does it seem true? I think that's a good point, though, is is it genuine? Because whether the character is a good guy or a bad guy, if it seems genuine, it's a little bit easier to lock in or just if it's relatable. But as cis white males, we're uh, we're probably the peak of being relatable to anything in uh, entertainment. Right. That's right. Or we were at least, you know, there's been a they're trying to get away from us, which is understandable, you know. Finally, a little game I picked up from Twitter, which I've twisted into an interesting take on some of my previous games. And here it is. You're hosting a party pre-social distancing days, and it's a potluck of sorts. You have a guest list. Okay. David Lynch, Hayao Miyazaki, Wes Anderson, Werner Herzog, John Woo. What food or party item would you guess each guest might bring to the party? Each one? Yeah. (laughs) Uh... Deviled eggs, all of them. Every one of those guys is bringing deviled eggs. I feel like David Lynch might bring a stock of broccoli. Raw. Quinoa. Bro- no. No, but he loves quinoa. 
He might just bring a stock of rock that he didn't have time. I, I think David Lynch would bring coffee. Coffee? His brand? Yeah, yeah his brand of coffee. Uh, just in the bag and say, here, you can make this. Okay, who's the next one? Uh, Miyazaki. Okay, what do you think Miyazaki would bring? <laughs> um... Hmm. I'm gonna say saltwater taffy. Saltwater taffy, just a bowl or a big, a oversized bag. A whole bit, a huge bag, like a sleeve. Hmm. Wes Anderson. Um, I feel like Wes Anderson would bring the worst food. I feel really? like you. Yeah, I do. I think uh, it would either be like I, don't, I think get, you, I think you misread the room. Like cold soup. No. Like uh, tomato soup served he, ice cold. He'd, he'd bring an Indian dish. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, you know him and his wife or girlfriend or whatever, they all they mess with that stuff. And hmm. Okay, okay. Who Who's next? Werner Herzog. Fucking Polish sausage, or, or, 100%. Or his boot. Or a boot to eat, yeah. Well, I uh, Either a boot or, yeah, some kind of, like, smoked, fermented sausage. And I think John Woo would bring violence with a side of sweet and sour pork. Uh, I like your violence call. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, and consider this, he might just bring like a loaf of French bread because he's just like, it goes with anything. With a gun baked inside? <laughs> just the, yeah, he would pull it out and it would be like comically huge. No. The barrel would be four feet long or something like that. That's nice. all for this email. Hopefully I'll email in again next week with some more interesting things to discuss. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. You, you too. as well. You too. And finally, uh huh. Justin Peterson. Oh, baby. Quarantine week three, but at least we have Akiru. Hey, Jerry mm-hmm. and RJ, what's happening? Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of tonight's movie, Akiru, when I f- first saw it nearly a year ago. It was fascinating mm-hmm. how modern it felt since it was made in the early 50s. And it does an awesome job of showing how zany the world of government bureaucracy is and all the mm-hmm. red tape that goes with it, which I happen to be very familiar with since I worked for the government. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> that's it goat movie question of the week so I recently watched Noah Baumbach's Kicking and Screaming for the first time and I wondered to myself what genre would you classify a movie like this as and I settled on calling Mm -hmm. it an intellectual banter movie so what are your favorite kinds of movies about people just sitting or walking around talking about stuff I knew you aren't really Kevin Smith fans but I've always had a soft spot for clerks and I recently saw Slacker and really like it I mean, I was a Kevin Smith fan for a really long time. It's just recent current events of how he is out in public have kind of pushed me away from him. You know, it's weird on Canadian Amazon Prime. You can add the Jane Silent Bob reboot to your watch list, but you can't watch it, which is actually the same as I reported months ago that Parasite was on Amazon Prime. It's not. You can add it to your watch list. But when you click to watch, it says unavailable. What was uh, the question again? <laughs> Intellectual banter movies. This seems like oh, something fuck. you would love, RJ. It's your, it's uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I, mm, but that's like, I mean, that's very drama. I don't know. It's very play-like, but I don't know if I'd call it intellectual banter. It's like very dialogue-driven, but I'm trying to think of uh, like uh, Richard Linklater is kind of yeah. like one of the big boys of that. So he's what got if, he's got those uh, before sunrise, before sunset, yeah. before midnight if, movies, and those I think are pretty. I think they'd be my picks. Those are pretty good picks. 
I would say anything with Jesse Eisenberg, right? Does that fall into this right like, category? Like uh, intellectual banter, like, like Dawn of Justice. Uh yeah. BVS is in there a hundred percent, but would the Social Network not be one of those? I don't think so. I don't. So wait, well, what do you mean by banter then? Is it just people talking to each other? Yeah, like kind of like these like not Noah intellectual Bomb, Noah Baumbach, uh, Woody Allen. Like they're yeah, they're having okay. like philosophical discussions, and like that's like the whole drive. Like that that's it. Hmm. What about uh, necromantic? Do you think that fits in there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you get past the fluids and the decaying corpses, yeah. Isn't that like with any good intellectual banter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Justin continues, with Easter right around the corner, I decided it was about time to revisit one of my favorite Martin Scorsese movies, The Last Temptation of Christ. And I just got done re-listening to your episode on it. But tonight, as I was cleaning up their house, I found that my three-year-old had taken the disc out of the player and completely destroyed it. Ooh. Better get rid of them. Which reminds me of another time when my oldest son was younger, and I found that he had crammed seven discs into our PS3. Wow, which really <laughs> messed up the disc loader. That's uh, that takes uh, some effort. That's uh, that's really funny. <laughs> well, okay, I'm curious uh, if this is a Blu-ray, Justin, because ju- Blu-rays are pretty indestructible. They're they're, mm-hmm. they're you can't scratch them up too bad. But boy, that's mm-hmm. that sucks. Have you had any movies or electronics that have suffered tragic endings over the years? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go on. Uh, one time, uh, I had, um, a friend step on a DVD player. (laughs) That wasn't great. So that'd be real bad. It was like, we were moving it from upstairs to downstairs. Like, you know, when your house only had one DVD player, so you had to move it from TV to TV, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. That's when it went down. So most of mine, (sighs) I mean, I keep pretty good care of my stuff, and most people, I don't have any kids. Uh, I don't have people mucking around with my property too much. Yeah. But the it seems more like when I buy uh, used DVDs, mm-hmm. which I haven't done now for a while. Uh, yeah, you get those ones. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with people? What's wrong mm-hmm. with these animals? Like, because these aren't even like library copies or like rental copies. They're just like someone's personal belongings, and it's like, did someone? put this on some gravel in an alley and just start like pushing themselves along like they're on a skateboard and then they go okay that seems good enough and then they put it back in the case maybe give the case a nice bend and then uh say i want five bucks for this <laughs> pawn shop <laughs> i don't know well yeah in my experience it was a lot of uh i'll give you a quarter yeah, now it's I i remember when they used to pay a pretty penny for uh, dvds and now it's uh pretty well pennies not anymore, man. No. Not anymore. Shameful. Finally, can you think of huh. any questions you have for us, Creeps Nation? Maybe next week viewers could answer in an attempt to break your Creeps mailbag record. Thanks for the time, guys, and I look forward to talking with you plenty more next week. Wink. Wink. Wink, wink. So wait, sorry, what was the question again? Uh, do we have any questions for the Creep Nation? Oh, you know what uh, would be a good question, Jared? Unless you, I'll, I'll say one and you can say one and people can answer to either. Okay. Um, I, I had a request the other day for a most 
uh, notable things that we say on the show. So like like our taglines or slogans, like things like it'll blow your dick off or butts and dumps, you know. So it's like what are the things that stand out to the listeners the most? It's like what are uh, what are those one liners, those zingers? Yeah. That's one way to that, that, approach this. Yeah, there's that. There's always that yeah. risk that like once you become aware of it and then it then it becomes played out shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so don't do that is what well, you're saying? I, I'm always curious what uh, if anyone has a, a favorite moment. Favorite moment? Yeah, That's a any, good one. Anything that like they still, when they think of our podcast, they fondly remember some weird turn of phrase that RJ said or mm. whatever. Favorite okay. mo- favorite episode of the podcast they've listened to at this point? If they're like, they'd be like, yeah, that's a really good one. That sort of thing I think would be interesting to hear back from. Sure. Let's go with that one. Either one. Either one's good. Good to know. Good to know. Well, that's it for the emails. It's great. We yeah, did it. We did it. We're out. Terrific. Oh, wait. Hey, RJ, what have you been creeping uh, on this week? Uh, stuff? Movies. What would you like to hear about, Jer? The cinema. Well, tell me about Phantasm 1 through 5. Hmm. Okay. So I uh, teased it last week. Uh, all the phantasms except for two are uh, Joe Bob Briggs' last drive-in uh, shows. So I watched them on there except for two, which I watched your DVD or Blu-ray of. Um, so he explained why two wasn't on there, and uh, it sounded like a made-up excuse. And I think it was just they didn't have the rights to it. That's all it is. Yeah. Which is whatever whatever um so phantasm one you've mentioned before you don't you fall in that category of people who you're like i don't really get it i don't really like it right pretty not much. that you don't get it but you don't get the like for it yeah it's i don't i don't get the fandom that is around it because it's mm-hmm. it's got plenty of flaws it's got some cool ideas but yep. well, on the whole i mean the 70s of horror is like one of the yeah. most amazing periods of horror and this is one of the movies that people talk about i, I don't yep. understand so here's here's where the only the only way or air the only part that I'll uh, like offer it an alternative to you is I actually think Phantasm One is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest I think are garbage. Uh, Phantasm <laughs> One is pretty good. I like I, I like a lot of the images. I like where it goes, and I actually think it's a pretty well made movie. Like some of the way that they edit it edit it together with like the flashbacks and like things setting up other things i was like this is actually a good show i actually like phantasm a lot there's a lot of questions that are brought up and they're not answered and i think that's fine phantasm one's pretty good do do i need to explain any of these movies you know what maybe somebody doesn't actually know what a phantasm is okay well i can explain the first one okay and then we'll be good because I'll, i'll explain to you Phantasm 1, you have uh, two brothers. One's an older guy. He's like 20 years old. And the other one's like 13. There's no parents around. The older brother's taking care of the younger brother. Older brother hasn't been around for a while. And uh, they're kind of trying to figure each other out. Uh, Older brother has a friend that is killed at the start of the movie. So the movie starts with a funeral. Uh, younger brother won't leave older brother alone. He follows him around all the time. He goes to watch the funeral. The funeral happens. Everyone goes in. And then this really tall Scottish sounding guy named Angus Scrim, Angus Scrim comes up and he just one hands the, the coffin and throws it into his uh, hearse. And then he drives off and the little brother's like, huh, that's weird. 
that huge <laughs> tall guy just picked up that coffin with one hand. Strange. So then after the funeral, you have older brother and his pal, uh, Reg, uh, who is an ice cream man with a ponytail. He fought in Nam. He's a vet. Uh, he comes and they play some music together. Uh, and it's a nice little life. But what happens is younger brother, he's uh, he gets a little too close to things. And he crosses paths with this tall man a few too many times. And then the tall man starts to notice. Uh, and then he sends his minions, these little goblin guys with uh, hoods and demented faces, to get the brother. He kind of tells older brother, and they do the cat and mouse thing for a little bit where older brother doesn't b- believe him. But then eventually it just kind of it, it, it takes the natu- or the thing that should happen. And he's like, okay, I believe you. Let's go take care of this. So then they go to fight the tall man. What happens is they find that the tall man has his gremlins. They live in this mortuary where there are these silver balls that fly around. And if they peg you in the head, a drill hits your head and shoots blood out of it. And then uh, there's this ultimate alternate dimension where all these uh, little gremlin guys live. And they're bringing something back. You don't really know. You never really get an answer to it. So they fight the tall man. They uh, have a battle with him. And then uh, the movie ends on a a double fake out, as Joe Bob would describe it. Uh, The first fake out, uh, there's two fake outs where, and he says, he's like, people hate it. It's the just a dream fake out and then the cliffhanger ending. So you get both. And then one of them, because the other one kind of offsets the other one, it's only really one. But you do get the double fake out. Do you think that's a good description of Phantasm, Jared? It's not. It's pretty good. I mean, I would call those gremlin things like Jawas. Oh yeah, they. Uh, I think he Joe Bob even mentions that he's like they do look like a like them. He's like they have the hood and everything. Yeah. So uh, uh, Joe Bob calls them the hard M. Oh. And then he talks about hard M bowling and things of that nature. Right. And he says, you know, some people are going to get mad at me for calling them that. And he's like, what it, he's like, what should I call it? Dwarf bowling? And you go, oh, Joe Bob, you crazy guy. So anyways, Phantasm 1's pretty good. Uh, the issue I have with the other four Phantasms are they are all exactly the fucking same. Do they have different stories? Yes. Some of them do. Like three and four are like totally different stories and five. But they're essentially all the exact same movie. None of them really try to do anything different. And it gets really boring. Every single one of them has the exact same fake out ending and it gets so tiring after a while because every movie ends with like, here's some spoilers, but every movie ends, it's like, we killed the tall man. Awesome. And then in the very last frame, the tall man comes back and goes, boy, and then someone gets sucked into a different dimension and you're like, again with this shit? And then the way that the next movie starts, it's like, it was all a dream and you're like, Jesus fuck it's like move on with this stuff it's it's too much jared so phantasm 2 apparently is a uh some people say it's like a freddy uh freddy's revenge nightmare on elm street 2 and i can kind of see that there there are some similar things to it but phantasm 2 is basically uh like a shot for shot remake it's like the little kid and reg go to take out the tall man again and you're like all right whatever Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead. Reg is on the road and he meets uh, a little, he meets a lady named Rocky. And then he meets a, uh, like a little kid who is like uh, home alone Rambo. And you're like, and you're like, all right. And like they do things and then they go fight 
the tall man again and then at the end of it it happens again a tall man comes out he after they kill him he comes out and he's like boy and then that kid gets sucked into an alternate dimension you never see him again so three is again the exact same thing Jared. then you get to phantasm four oblivion this one's better than two and three because it's a little bit different you get uh Mike, the little kid, Reg, they're old now and they're trying to fight Tall Man and then even the brother comes back. But then there's some weird stuff where it's like the brother is a ball and the balls are like brains. And you're like, uh, it, the one neat thing is that it's like in this movie, in the future, the Tall Man has taken out entire towns and it's it, he's just he's like actually like taking towns and cities out. And you're like, that's kind of cool. Um, but then again, same, same shit as always, Jerry. It's just Phantasm as always. And then you have Phantasm Ravager, which came out uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, this thing is like tremendous piece of shit, Jerry. Tremendous piece of shit. So this one's not directed by Don Coscarelli. It's, uh, he was a producer or whatever, but, uh, it's the last movie Angri Angus Scrim, the tall man is in. And it actually has kind of a good idea, but it's got all the bad knocks of these newer movies where Reggie is like in a uh, care home and he has dementia. So they say that all this stuff was just in his mind. And so he's kind of like going in and out of like the past. Uh, and it, it actually fits with the Phantasm world quite a bit. But this movie's really bogged down by bad CGI bad filming like it's all close-ups of people's faces and then like cgi close-ups and you're just like uh get out of here and uh it's just like i know if you watched it you'd be like this is fucking garbage yeah because of the way it looks and it does it looks like shit so i like i don't know why <laughs> like in this world it's like reggie has dementia but also the world where phantasm exists the tall man took over the entire world so it's like a it's a cool idea but uh this movie just looks like garbage so anyways i don't think i think phantasm one is worth watching i don't think it's worth watching any of the other phantasms Ooh. they're not worth it man they're all the exact same no so I'm, i and that's so i, I mean where i'm at that's what I, I should i should definitely not uh go any further than the first one because I, I watched the maybe the first 15 minutes of two and i was just like no yep. no if you I think one is the only one that has like good stuff. And if you really, really like one, then you'd probably want four of the exact same movie just with like very small changes. It's like, here's a different character. That's the same as that one, but it's a new one now. So it's a new movie and you'd be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. How, no, I, uh, how do yeah. these compare with the puppet masters? Ooh, I like more of the puppet masters than oh. I do the phantasms. Oh shit. Because I, I like at least two of the Puppet Masters. Yeah. Puppet Master 2 is really good. Uh, Puppet Master 3 is okay. And then I even like uh, my buddy's uh, new Puppet Master movie. So oh, yeah. Phantasm 1 is good. I like Phantasm 1. And the uh, the rest are they're okay. It's just it's all the same thing. And it gets really boring, especially when you watch them in a row. Like, oof, I don't know, Jer. What else you want to hear about, Jer? Tell me about. Or is that it? Daniel isn't real. All right, so here's a uh, a Shutter flick. Yeah. Uh, called Daniel isn't real. What are my takes here? 
Art isn't real. Holistic medicine and nice guys. Okay. Daniel isn't real is directed by a guy named Adam Egypt Mortimer, which I think is pretentious to throw your middle name in there like that. Even if it is Egypt, just be Adam Mortimer. Just do it. Adam E. Mortimer. Adam E. Mortimer. That'd be fine too. Daniel isn't real is okay. Is what I would say. I like the idea of it from reading the synopsis. I'm like, that sounds like a pretty potentially good idea. It sounds like a vertigo comic from like 10 years ago. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, dear. I I thought it was all right. Actually, I didn't mind it. It's got a few bumps in it, but uh, it's not bad. Um, so here's the movie. There's a little kid, and uh, he sees some traumatic stuff, and he makes up an imaginary friend named Daniel, and him and Daniel are best friends. And then one day, Daniel's like, "Hey, you should like drug your mother." And he's like, okay. And he like almost kills his mother. And his mom's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, Daniel told me to. So the mom's like, all right, we got to deal with this shit right now. It's like, here, you got to, here's like a lock and a door. It's like, you got to put Daniel in there and never let him out. And so the kid's like, okay. So they put Daniel away. And then Daniel's gone. This kid grows up. He's in college. And he comes home to see his mom. And uh, his mom's not doing real well. She, she's got some mental illness of her own. And she's like, a little bit off, a little unstable. And uh, our boy, he goes back to his old room and he sees where he put Daniel. And um, this movie has the single worst psychiatrist I've ever seen. So you get this guy who's talking to our main kid, Luke, and uh, he's talking about Daniel. He's like, maybe you should let Daniel back out. And he's like, it'd be good for you. It'd be like cathartic, you know? And uh, he's like, uh, but Daniel wanted me to hurt people. And he's like, you should face it. He's like, you should face your demons. And this kid's like, okay. So he goes back home and he lets Daniel out, played by Patrick Schwarzenegger, Jared. Whoa. That's right. And uh, he was actually pretty good. I thought I thought he was a good actor in this. Um, so he lets Daniel out. And uh, at first, it's kind of fun in games. It's like, hey, he's like, it's just like I never left, my man. Uh, but then Daniel gets a little bit off hinge, Jared. And he's uh, doing some pretty wild stuff. He's uh, getting at people. He's getting into people. And he's uh, doing some bad stuff to people. And it's like, ooh, Daniel's a bad guy. So uh, this kid's like, I'm not doing good with Daniel, man. He goes back to his psychologist and uh, his psychiatrist, sorry, uh, practices in some holistic medicine uh, with some hypnosis and some incense. And he fans some incense on him. And uh, he's like, this will cure you. He's like, this is a... This is going to make it all better. It doesn't get better, Jarrett. And then uh, Luke and Daniel have to have it out at each other near the end. Oh, my God. Daniel's also a nice guy uh, because he goes to people and he's like, I was nice to you. You have to have sex with me. Oh, boy. You know, uh, I actually I thought it was all right, man. Uh, in terms of like the Shutter movies, uh, I think it's a lot better than some of the other trash I've seen on Shutter. Like all the creatures were stirring uh satanic panic it's better than those those movies enfield haunting whatever that thing was i watched one time uh it's not bad i think you would get mild entertainment out of it you'd be like yeah it's okay. mild mild entertainment where's, where's my shutter list uh <laughs> so it's better than all the creatures say satanic panic enfield haunting saul station i'd even put it over like revenge i think it's better than that movie too okay so it's not bad. Cool. It's not bad. 
What else do you want to hear about, Jerry? So my next one, I didn't even know what this movie was because I saw it maybe in passing. And now that I'm looking at the poster, I do want to know more about family. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> this was an Andy. Uh, I got to re re uh, take this as an Andy pick. Mm-hmm. So this is a Crave movie um, on family uh, called Family. It's directed by a lady named Laura Steinel. Steinel. Yep. Uh, this movie is actually pretty good, man. Uh, like, well, I mean, I how could I, it be bad? I mean, it's about, okay, uh, it's about a juglet. <laughs> I'll tell you what it's about. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but, uh, when I watched it with Andy, we had some laughs, we had some, aw, and, uh, it was an all around good, uh, good flick. So this one was actually in a, such a trying time, it was like, that's a pretty good show. Not bad. Um, so family is about, uh, so it's about this lady and it's the orange is the new black lady. Uh, she's a real business oriented lady. She's got no time for nothing, no personal life, no time for family. Uh, her brother who is Justin from green room, that real big guy who's like kind of weird looking. Her brother calls her one day and is like, Hey, listen, uh, my wife's uh, mom is like really sick. She's in palliative care. We got to go be with her. Can you please watch your niece, uh, Maddie, for a day or two? And she's like, uh, I don't want to. And then she she kind of agrees to it. So she goes to watch her uh, niece. Her niece is a super cool kid who is not into girl stuff. She just likes doing like boy stuff kind of. Not even like boy stuff. She's into like karate and like things of that nature. Uh, and this lady, she's such a business lady. She doesn't really know how to handle the family, which is, you know, a movie trope, Jared. Uh, but she's like, all right, go do whatever. She feeds her chicken parm every night. And then she's like at a gas station waiting her get uh, snacks. And they meet this little, this kid. I can't remember his name. It's like Rat Boy Fresh or something or like Baby Rat Boy. <laughs> He's got this huge rat tail and this he's a real wholesome kid he's like man i like a girl who can eat he's like you got mad (laughs) snacks yo he's like eating them swedish fish damn and he's just he's really positive jerry he's really supportive of this young girl they're the same age they're both like 13 15 and uh she's like oh cool thanks and he's like well you like snacks and she's like yeah i do he's like you like uh insane clown posse girl and uh, she's like i don't know what that is so she gets introduced to the juggalo lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and then the juggalo stuff isn't a huge part of this movie, mm. but it, it does kind of play out near the end where it's uh, the aunt takes care of the niece for a while. The niece is becoming more and more like a juggalo and they're trying to like work with each other. And then at the end, there's a big, uh, what is it called? The gathering. Yeah. Where all the juggalos get together. Yes. And so the, the niece goes to that and then she has to go and try to like get her back and stuff. Do uh violent J or shaky two dope show up? Uh, I believe so. Those are the insane clown posse guys, right? Yeah. yeah they are the actual duo. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Cause there's a stage show where it's them out there and the aunt goes out looking for uh, the kid and they all, this whole movie, Jarrett, is about how juggalos are a family and how they actually are a super supportive, yeah. uh, like, social network and take care of each other. They are. And, uh, like, they were like, everyone shits on juggalos. He's like, but we all here, we're accepting. It's like, come as you are, man. Mm-hmm. Let your freak so, flag fly. Exactly. 
Exactly. Actually, one time, uh, years and years ago, like six, seven years ago, Andrea applied for a job as a, a waitress at a restaurant. Yeah. And uh, the guy was like, you know, we, we just have fun here. It's like, you got to let your freak flake fly. <laughs> and Andrea's like, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> of course she did. That was called, uh, it was State in Maine. Oh. Uh, and uh, yeah, An- Andrea just, she was like, Goodbye. See you later. You know, they even put jalapenos in, or they put jalapeno butter on our cornbread. We're a little zany out here. We're a little zany. We really let our freak flake fly. Yeah. yeah could you imagine being told that in a job interview? Yeah, I can. I, I believe Starbucks is often looking for the it factor. Oh, and, well, and they will they they hold that juggable. against you. Yeah. Anyways, what was I talking about family? Yeah, it's actually, it's not a bad movie, Jer. I, uh, they, it's like, packed with actors like brian tyree henry from uh, atlanta and joker mm-hmm. 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 kate mckinnon uh, the orange is the new black lady uh allison tom tolman who's in a uh, fargo uh what else is she in sister brothers the gift krampus she's in lots of stuff so it's actually it had like a ton of actors in it and we're like whoa but uh for we went into it we're like this will probably be dumb, but whatever. And then we were actually kind of pleasantly surprised. We're like, that was a pretty decent little show. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would watch it, I guess, if it ever came across my, uh, my plate. I don't care about Creed two. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's that's, fine. That seems to be the thing. It's like, it's just fine. It's like, yeah, I, I won't talk about it to extent. The fights are nowhere near as good as Creed. The first one. And Avon Drago's son looks like he's CGI all the time. His his face looks CGI. It's really fucking weird. Hmm. And the crowds are CGI. So it's it's exactly what you would expect it to be. It hit the spot for me, but at the same time, I was like, I'm not going to ever watch this again. So right. whatever. Yeah. But uh, I am curious about your uh, reaction <laughs> to Edmund starring it's... William H. Macy, directed by Stuart Gordon. And I do believe... Is mm-hmm. it, who wrote it? Yeah, David Mamet. Oh my God! Why, David Mamet? I, uh, I, I believe, I believe it's an, I believe show. I believe it's an early work of uh, mm. David Mamet's. Uh, yeah, it shows. So Stuart Gordon, R.I.P. I think I mentioned last week. Uh, it might have been off air to you. I was like, the only thing available on stream that I haven't seen of Stuart Gordon's is Edmund, uh, which was on Amazon Prime. So Edmund is about William H. Macy walking around trying to get a prostitute. Yes. But being frustrated with how expensive they are. <laughs> so I would say about an hour of this movie is him going to prostitutes and they're being them negotiating. Being like, yeah. And just negotiating. They're like, it's a hundred bucks. And he's like, that's too much. And they're like, what do you mean? It's too much. And he goes, that's too much. I, I won't pay it. That's too much. And he goes to walk away and they're like, uh, they're like, well, 90 bucks. He's like, that's too much. That's too much. I'm William H. Macy. And he goes, I'll give you $20. And they're like, no. He's like, well, that's too much. And then he goes to the next one. He goes to, I think, four prostitutes. Well, there's Denise Richards, Mina Uh Suvari. I know eventually he winds up with uh, Julia Stiles. Yeah, she's not a prostitute, though. So he does. Yeah. He, so he he goes to a couple prostitutes. It's too much. He goes to one where it's like one of the looking ones with uh, like an Asian girl. And um, Bay Ling she, apparently is her uh, name. Peep show girl. Peep show girl. Yeah. So but he's frustrated because he can't actually touch her. So that one doesn't work out either. Then he meets a pimp. Uh, and then so he goes to pawn his wedding ring. 
uh, for money. And then he buys like an army knife with it. And he's like, I just want that, whatever. And then he goes to a pimp to get a prostitute. But the pimp tries to mug him, so he beats him up. And then he's like on a high. And then he goes to a diner where Julia Stiles is. And she actually picks him up. So he goes home with her. And uh, But then afterwards, he's kind of like yelling at her. He's like, he's like, I was really nice to you. And you're, you're telling me that I'm not. And so he kills her, Jared. I, I remember. He kills her. And then he goes to jail. Yep. And then he, him and uh, Bookham Woodbind, who yeah. actually plays the Shocker in the new Spider-Man movies. Really? That's right. He he never actually, like, in Spider-Man Homecoming, he's only the Shocker for, like, a second. So it doesn't really what's happen, which like, is too bad. What's with these Spider-Man movies with, like, electric-themed villains being black men? <laughs> I don't know. What's with these Spider-Man movies with villains that were, like, rapists in other movies? <laughs> what's Jamie like, Fox raping? No, not Jamie Foxx, but uh, what's his name? The Lizard in uh, the original trilogy from oh, a happy Dylan, the rapist oh, who, from who's, who's very William H. Macy-esque. Yeah, he is. Yeah. What's up with that? So anyways, William H. Macy goes to jail, and then he's in a romantic relationship with uh, Bookham Woodbine. As, as might, well, eventually it becomes romantic. Eventually it's romantic. Well, because first, there's, 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 there's uh, this turn of phrase that uh, Corey and I would often laugh about for a long, long time about getting on my body. And uh, <laughs> you're about to get on my body. Yeah. And he says, I don't want to. And he's like, you don't have a choice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Edmund is. And, and then uh, the movie ends and you're yeah. kind of just like, what's, yeah. well, what's cause, this movie cause, about? Because now, now they love. Now they're in love. Now Then they settle in and they have a relationship. That can't be the moral of the story, though, can it? It is a. It is? <laughs> it is a nihilistic piece, RJ. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think uh, this is a movie that I think you need to be watching with the right people. Probably. <laughs> I didn't, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, Edmund's weird. I didn't much care for Edmund, but uh, and, and, I watched it. And you didn't even mention George Went. Oh, George. Yeah, he's a he's pawn, shop, pawn owner. shop guy. Yeah. Because yep, guess what? Guy. George Went is like one of Stuart Gordon's dudes. He's like in lots of I didn't of know stuff. that. Yeah, because he's in Space Truckers. I didn't know that. Nope. Uh, I I did see Joe Montana. Oh yeah, I, I take another it as Joe one. That, and that's one of uh, D- David Mamet's dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, Jeffrey Combs is in here too. Yep. So Rebecca, they're all there. Oh, and Rebecca Pigeon, uh, David Mamet's wife. There you go. They're all there. Oh, I, just, oh and uh, Rebecca Pigeon plays William H Macy's wife. Oh, that makes sense. No. Yeah, uh, Edmund's not a good show, dude. Oh, it's. I, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Are you an Edmund supporter? I I, I, uh, I mean, I haven't seen Edmund since uh, it came out on probably, I don't know if I, I probably watched it on DVD by 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, it was pretty well straight to video, I would say. And I remember watching it and Corey and I uh, were very entertained by the, mm. by the uh, I don't know, it's very, it's very much a film of 2005. I don't know. It probably hasn't aged well. But I remember uh, mm-hmm. the the because uh, it was kind of unpredictable. I didn't know where it was going, and then you're like, "Oh, shit! He just killed her!" And oh, yep. now now he goes to prison, and like, there's no court case. It's just like, yeah, no, he's guilty. Yeah, he's just guilty. Yeah. Um, because he, and well, he's and he's cheap. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, is this on your sad bastards list? Ah, uh, it might. It should be. I I, I pretty. Oh, it is. Look at that. Okay. It's also on my uh, my private list of misanthropia. Uh, okay. 
Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, definitely one of those types of movies. Yeah. It's it's like a bad boy Bubby type of movie. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's Edmund. I don't know how else to describe it. It's Edmund. I love it. It's, it's, it's Jarrett Cinema. You, sure. You can throw a Jarrett picks on that. Oh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> Just pointing that one out. I'll, t- I'll I'll take the ball for that. It, it might be sure. It might. Oh, I do also like the hashtag the threat of rape. Uh, well, it's threatened before it's even it's yeah. ever achieved. So, the uh, the threat of rape is a good hashtag. I think that uh, is what the world needs right now. No. Uh, do I need to ask you about BVS DOJ? No, uh, other than it holds up like a motherfuck. Oh, baby. It's and, good. And so John Wick Chapter 3, have you seen 1 and 2? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I have. Okay. <laughs> I uh, So when I started this, though, I had completely zero recollection of John Wick uh, 2. I was like, I have, I can't even remember what happened in that movie. I have seen it, but I was like, yeah. I have no idea for, for, what that movie. For some about. reason, I thought you might have been avoiding watching these movies because of the dog stuff. Uh, well, when I watched the first one, I didn't realize that that happened in the first one, and I was like, oh. And then, like, I think they're overdoing it now. So, like, they have Halle Berry's in John Wick Three, and she has two dogs that wear bulletproof vests, oh. and neither of them are hurt, and they like hurt other people. But I was like. It's like, do they even need to be here? I don't know. I'm sure other people are probably like cheering for that. They're like, yeah, the dogs are getting back, which is cool. But still, John Wick the, uh, 3 is fine. It's exactly what I thought it would be. It's got yeah. some nice action sequences. John Wick, uh, I take horse violence because the ho- this is a different kind of horse violence, violence Jared. John Wick kills people with horses multiple times. So that's a different kind of horse violence, but uh, no, it's it's fine. It's it's what you think it will be. Okay, you know, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people that is just like John Wick is the best ever. <laughs> but uh, Iron Chef is in it, so that's cool. Oh, there you go. You know that guy who was the chairman who was like who would always like bite the yes. green peppers, and he'd be like, oh, oh, because uh, cuisine, whatever he said, and then he'd like shake his hand down. The original Iron Chef, the Japanese one. Yep. So uh, you don't want to hear about the uh, 20th century or Andre the Giant, I guess, eh? I guess not. That's fine. But I the big takeaway is that uh, Batman v Superman, that director's cut, it still holds up. Yeah, that extra whatever up. 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it. I think if they had released it with that extra 40 minutes, I don't think it would have had the negative reception that it did. Because hmm. I think it actually kind of like ties in a lot of those holes that people had problems with. Plus, I just think it's a good show, so I don't, I don't care. Okay. Well, what about you, Jer? Well, RJ, this uh-huh. this this week I've been uh, watching a thing or here and there. You know, mm-hmm. watch a couple more of these down the rabbit hole documentaries. No big standouts. Uh, one I didn't even finish watching, Temple OS. It, I don't know. Sometimes when all you're watching is screen grabs of like message board conversations and a mm-hmm. guy just reads them out to you endlessly for an hour and a half. It's not my thing. I, I just, you know, I've reached the pinnacle of the mountain. That is Chris Chan, a comprehensive history. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect some video, something to spruce up my experience and not a lot of that in, uh, the mm-hmm. temple OS one, the final fantasy house is about, uh, soul bound people, AKA other kin. 
Are you familiar with these people? It's kind of uh, like it's like a it's kind of like a step beyond furries. Oh, it's like the people. What do you who mean that a they're, step beyond? They're the these people like are really living the gimmick, but they don't like. There's no visual necessary that like. Oh hey, I dress up sometimes in animal costumes and like go mm-hmm. to and hang out and talk with people who draw furry stuff. Which apparently uh, John Oliver was talking about on uh, his show this week that started back up. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, soul bound other kinder people who think they're vampires or reincarnations of vampires. You know, sure. fictional things. Uh huh. And uh, this is about like some crazy people who thought they were Final Fantasy Seven characters. Hmm. And just Final Fantasy VII. Well, then, like a couple years later, they uh, shift over to Sukudin characters, uh, and they, they, it's always okay. like. And apparently, most recently, they're now uh, soul-bound Hannibal characters. Remember Hannibal? Remember when people watched Hannibal? So wait, they're like Will Graham from Hannibal? Kinda. Maybe that's why well, they're like. Maybe they're just like. They're they're like anybody from the show. They're like, oh, it's my character. That's who I am in another life. It's like, you mean the thing you just watched? This is huh. how some people interact with media. It's, it's to what end? I, to mooch off of people and be horrible to others in real life. That's all I can really decipher from this uh, Final Fantasy House documentary. That runs mm. like 40 minutes. Uh, the other one is the SCP Foundation, which just touches upon this really neat little project that grew out of 4chan where people come up with kind of uh, – it's like creepypasta, but the idea is mm. that it, – it, this is like kind of the early days of creepypasta where people put like a lot more work into kind of making it so like some sort of like government organization is containing these things. And they give them little codes. And at one point, they were like, they put a lot of effort into it. And you read them. They have kind of a nice little evocative image. And the kind mm-hmm. of like the vague kind of bureaucratic speak in the like dossiers of these things kind of added to the imagination. It's kind of like the end of Indiana Jones. Um, and okay. you, yeah, it's like X Files y yeah. kind of thing. It's cool. It's neat. And uh, this thing is touched upon kind of like the background history of like the personalities behind it and it keeps it just grows and grows and grows it's a good resource for like if you were into role-playing games this has like tons of ideas if someone was like struggling like i want to do something that's like not just cookie cutter check this mm-hmm. thing out there's some really cool stuff just uh good descriptions of staircases and weird like ceramic creatures and i don't know it's pretty neat pretty neat it sounds look up not uh, bad look up uh i think like scp one seven three i think is the like original one that started it all okay i'll even look it up there it is that's the one that began it all and you can read the description of that <laughs> so is this an is this a recommendation for me or are you recommending for you. this for, you, for other for people? you specifically if you have like 20 minutes to throw its okay. way okay. Uh, I, walk, I watched like a like a half hour documentary on the coronavirus and like the, the beijing uh response to it was it informative I mean, it was kind of like in the middle of the quarantine that was going on. I mean, the one thing that's kind of come up recently in terms of like relevance, I guess, is the the importance of face masks. If it's a if it is important or it's not, because there's conflicts of mm-hmm. uh, belief, and it seems like you know, you know, to be on the safe side, you know, if you went into that grocery store, RJ, and you were wearing a face mask, I'm pretty sure people would stay away from you. I saw a guy wearing a face mask yesterday and uh, I stayed away from him yeah. because here where we live, they only recommend you wear a face mask if you have yeah. the illness. Which, which is a problem because the 
it seems like any like right now, based on the internet reporting, mm-hmm. uh, twenty five to fifty percent of people who are asymptomatic are also contagious, and it's true, like, which is troubling, <laughs> and it's probably why it spreads as easily as it does because most people don't even know they're sick and they just spread it to the next person and then that person spreads it because they might they they might be totally healthy and fine, so having a face mask. I mean, I don't know if it would totally help, but it would definitely put people off, especially uh, in North America, where that is, it's just something that's not done, unless mm. you are like literally about to, you know, do surgery. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not part of our social culture, but I mean, a lot of people know that like in Asian countries, they wear face masks and people are like, mm-hmm. well, it's, not, it's being considerate. And it just seems like uh, the, that's my, that was my biggest takeaway from watching this documentary, uh, because mm-hmm. otherwise... It's hard to tell. I mean, there's a lot of questions about what China is reporting and how accurate it actually is. It's not accurate. Um, <gasps> Jared. <laughs> it's it's not. And it's like, just because Donald Trump says it doesn't mean that it's not right either. Yeah. It's no, like, I know. Because he says, and people go, well, he's an idiot. And you're like, well, he is an idiot. But, I'm pretty, like, but most, most people, you could probably say that there's really no chance that China has only like five cases a day. <laughs> that's just not that's just not can't be the case it's like that it's maybe not act jesus maybe not accurate knocking stuff over here jerry calm down calm down no i watched space truckers my that was my uh my uh the last Stuart gordon i think i really had to watch of uh note and, and now was, and, and that's it that's all there's no more Stuart gordons for me to watch because he's dead well, I mean, have you not seen? Have you seen all of them? I've, well, I've watched fourteen out of twenty, and let's just see if what the big ones I haven't seen. If there's anything I do need to see, hide watched films. Okay, there is um, something called Daughter of Darkness from 1990. Uh, he made some like something called Bleacher Bums from 1979. Kid Safe, mm-hmm. the video from 1988. Uh, the wonderful ice cream suit from 1998. Mm. Uh, something that's got Elizabeth Moss called Eater from 2008. And mm. there was, it looks like this kind of looks like a, oh yeah, that's some bull, that's some Charles Band right there, I believe. Psycho Sideshow, Demon Freaks, David mm. uh, Decado, Stuart Gordon. Yeah, this is, oh uh, yeah, this is, you a, should watch a, that. It's just a compilation. It's got Castle Freak in it. So that's not yes. real. Oh, so yeah, I've watched all his like, I guess other than Daughter of Darkness, I guess that's the last one, and then that's it with me and Big Stew. You could watch those ones then. So this movie that I watched, yeah. the Space Truckers, it stars. Uh, oh God, I'm completely blanking out what this movie's even about. It's about space truckers in space. Dennis Hopper is the main character. He mm-hmm. uh, he's hauling square pigs. These little like okay. Muppet Muppet pigs across the base, mm-hmm. uh, delivering them to George Went, who owns a pig processing plant. He's a cheapskate; doesn't want to pay him what uh, Dennis Hopper is owed. They have uh, differences of opinion. Stephen hmm. Dorff is in this; is the, the young the, the, the young space trucker up and coming who wants to get out of there. Oh, mm-hmm. is that the same Debbie Mazar that is also in Edmund? Yes, it is Debbie Mazar. Oh. She's also in both those movies. She plays the okay. waf- the waffle waitress who wants to go back to Earth to see her mama before her mama, because her mama's just getting a surgery done or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Dance is in this. He, well, As uh, what? He plays two characters. Ooh, he does plays... he yell at people? Oh, yes. He kind of looks like a Imperial Guard captain from, 
the Warhammer 40K universe. He plays mm-hmm. a guy named Nabel, who's like a mad scientist who designs a killer robot, and then he gets mm-hmm. killed. When he comes back as like a half cyborg named uh, Makanandu. He changes his name when he comes back. Well, no, he's just he's just like a different character. He's, oh, I see. Yeah, he double he double rolls stuff. That's cool. Um, yeah, so these people are eventually tasked with delivering these murder robots to Earth unknowingly. Their ship runs into some problems. Mm-hmm. They get picked up by some space mercenary types who find out about these murder robots and they want them. Murder robots escape. They start killing people. Dennis Hopper is like, well, we got to get rid of these murder robots. And, <laughs> and the murder robots are actually pretty neat. So is this a good show? It is perfectly fine for a like very low budget 1996 science fiction movie. It's goofy. Mm-hmm. It'll put a smile on your face. It's it looks like the CGI is ropey as hell, but mm-hmm. it's 1996. It, it's not the worst I've ever seen even from this era. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, the robots are kind of neat. Uh there's some things you might describe as uh, problematic that oh the, like what well i don't know dennis hopper agrees to take the waffle waitress back to earth if she marries him she's like well if you take me back all the way to earth i mean i'll, I'll marry you she's like okay we got ourselves a deal um but of course like her and steven dorf are hot to trot and mm-hmm. uh you know dennis hopper doesn't like this very much but at some point he does see a a photo of uh, Debbie Mazar's uh, mother. He's like, oh, she looked pretty hot back when. And then, of course, when they get back to Earth, you find out, well, she was cryogenically frozen and she just got thawed out because now they can do the surgery. And, and now she's young and hot. And now Dennis Hopper's got a lady now, too. What kind of ladies, though? Are they like nice, good Very, Christian women? Yes. 100%. George yeah. Went gets sucked out a uh, decompressorized uh, space cab bin. Is he okay after? No, he gets sucked right out by his butt. Oh, by the butt? By the butt. Because there's a joke that he's like so fat that he could plug the hole, but no, mm. space doesn't take that and it just sucks him through. So he goes uh, head and feet out to last. Does his body like snap like yep. Jay, like oh okay there, that's kind of there's, cool. there's no big snap to it though but mm. it's it's a fine little movie a fine little movie fine little show yep good little show over there eh? pretty good pretty good okay, okay, and then okay. uh what else i got here i watched some adam curtis documentaries that i don't think you care about and i watched the, the that i don't care about you, you don't care about these things well you can talk even if i don't care you, you can don't, talk about it's that. All, it's fine it's fine okay. I, I watched tiger king rj i joined the masses i uh i'd say that i'm saddened but i'm not surprised no so here no, you tell me about Tiger King. Well, what, tell what, me about it. Well, what do you see? What, I didn't know about this Tiger King until I think everybody started. I started seeing this guy's face. Yeah, this this, this mullety, long faced weirdo looking dude. Mm-hmm. Suddenly started being memed about. I started seeing references to Joe Exotic on Twitter and on Facebook. Yeah. I kept seeing remixes of like, here's Donald Trump's face, but he's got Joe Exotic's face on it. And I was like, what is this? And I started hearing about Tiger King mm-hmm. like last week, I guess. Everyone watched it over the weekend. And now I'm, mm-hmm. it's, it's, people aren't like, you know, having anything else better to do. Every, yep. Everybody's watching Tiger King. They sure are, man. They sure, they are. sure are. And what about you? How, how, what's your uh, experience from the outside? Of the Tiger same, King. 
same boat, man, where uh, it's absolutely everywhere. Twitter, Reddit, Facebook. It's on all those things, bad boy. Uh, and uh, I had some friends that were like, are you watching this, Tiger King? And I was like, nah. I was like, based on the name and the image of a guy with a tiger alone, I was like, I'm pretty confident there's some pretty questionable animal uh, cruelty or abuse in this thing. And I was like, I don't really care that much. And then it got more popular and more popular. And I, I just became saltier and saltier. And I was like, I'm not going to watch it out of spite. <laughs> out of spite, Jarrett. But uh, you tell me, is there some questionable animal abuse in this thing? Define what that would what would that what would be the minimum that of if a you no. had a because I because I was while watching this I wondered I was like because I mean it's you're going to see some shit I mean the entire principle of zoos is mm, arguably I don't like zoos well so. I, I I don't like zoos either um, yeah like I, I think zoos are uh, a strange throwback to like the 19th century when people wanted mm-hmm. to c- collect things and like well we can learn by having these things in these enclosures mm-hmm. and, and people will have a greater like a greater reverence for these beautiful animals and it's not like anymore that's i don't think that happens really people say it yeah. but it's not really about that um yeah i mean so this would make a good companion piece in some ways to roar in some ways cuz roar is like okay. n- n- non-stop rollicking fun but it's, it's, i like roar but it's there it's totally this is so different though this is like a it's like a southern noir um what else would i mention with this it it's a celebration of america rj is that a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> it's it's the good and the bad i'm i'm pretty confident i wouldn't like it but uh i am interested to hear about it so you you so, telling me okay. about it is the most i'm gonna get out of it okay so, so uh this eric good guy who's kind of like the the main director of this uh, there's also he has a co-director rebecca chaklin who seems to be taking a lot of the answers uh for people's questions about it in the media it's her name constantly i don't see eric good's name but eric good seems to be the the guy you see at times in front of the camera he started out wanting to he was documenting a story about the illegal trade of snakes in florida Mm. and so he was documenting this stuff with meeting the people who are doing this stuff um and then while there they receive a shipment with a caged snow leopard in the back of a van, like in a hundred and twenty degree weather, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, why is this snow leopard in th- your van? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, that and then it kind of goes down this rabbit hole of the the people who are into big cats, mm-hmm. the big cat people, uh, such as this Joe Exotic, um, and you get to meet these figures. You get to meet, he's like so he's obviously the centerpiece to this mm-hmm. documentary. Because he is an outward uh, kind of exhibitionist who's out there. Sure. He, he's a so, he has social media. He posts these <laughs> videos of himself all the time. He has this ongoing beef with this woman named uh, Carol. Okay. And uh, Carol is a animal. A le- well, she'll say she is an animal rights activist. She owns a sanctuary for big cats in Florida mm. uh, that apparently was. Or perhaps allegedly paid for from the million dollars that her husband, who mysteriously disappeared twenty years ago, left to her. Um, 
Well, I saw a lot of people where it was like, she killed her husband. Yeah. And then well, it was like we, Car- Carol Baskins or whatever. And I was like, I didn't realize she was the animal rights side of things, though, because now I'm thinking it's like, was she right, maybe? Was she, Jared? About what? I don't know. Whatever she did. Was they're, she in the right or? Oh, they're all. There's no. Okay. This is the thing with this. Mm-hmm. No one's. No, there's no good people in this. There's no. There's no one well, good. That, that, this is the thing. Uh, the whole, like, at the end of the day. You just uh-huh. kind of want the animals to eat everybody and then yeah. just like run away and just keep going because it's yeah. like because there's definitely because there's these people who start off I think with good intentions. I think Joe Exotic apparently was like really into these animals and he uh but a turn comes and it, he he mm. started he started becoming about himself and not about these animals. And then when he started getting into like this the notion of like breeding and like oh mm. you have you have to like take these like the cubs immediately away from mm-hmm. the mother like in immediately as soon as they give birth yeah that one comes with me and then you, you start to uh you can kind of pseudo domesticate them which is like uh, they, you never do these mm-hmm. things like are still you know wild animals uh, but so it is, it's just the whole process of like this fucked up world that mm-hmm. i it feels like everyone who's drawn to this stuff like yeah i want a pet puma it's like what's wrong with you like what? What's wrong with you? And this, the, every single person involved with this, uh, apparently, they all have like multiple, like wives or husbands. They, sure. They're, they're, it's, which is this is a strange thing that keeps coming up over and over again. They're very uh, mm-hmm. virile, um, and there's there's things about like, hey, you know, when you have like two hundred and twenty seven animals on your property, that's a lot of food. It's a lot of food you got to be feeding them. That's a that's mm-hmm. a that's a hefty bill, and you got to find out about like the Walmart disused meat bin that gets raided for such purposes during tight times. Sometimes mm-hmm. that might even find its way into the pizza they're serving at you for at the roadside zoo that you're visiting. And Jesus! Pe- oh man! <laughs> it, See, I, I was right. I shouldn't. I shouldn't watch it. Right? I. I what, what else? What else? I don't know. There, there's. It, it's nonstop. It's like they. Yeah. It's like they took four different topics for a documentary, mm-hmm. which is good because I mean they made they turned this into like seven parts. Each one's like forty minutes long. They go mm-hmm. by at a pretty good clip. Um, you know, there's murder for hire plots. There's yeah, unexplained disappearances of men. There's uh, you know, just full on uh, goddamn meth. <laughs> Matthews uh, accidentally killing yourself. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's like every episode. It's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What? What is this? And like, you kind of burst out laughing at these people because they just keep introducing more people, and you're just like, what the mm. fuck? That person's missing an arm. That guy's missing both legs. Like, it's just <laughs> so just Florida in general, right? Well, yeah, but it's not. I mean, some of it's Florida. A lot of it, though, is Oklahoma. But this so it's is just, just yeah yeah it's got you know scenes where like oh hey we got a tiger cub I want to bring it up to the hotel room in Las Vegas so I can like yeah. show it off to the sexy ladies let's uh put that line into a suitcase <laughs> just like Jeez I I, I see I see this this the decision yeah. making of these people it's just like mm-hmm. it's something it is something yep. yep I get it man yep I'm happy with the decisions I made yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, the, it, it definitely wouldn't make you any happier with the world. I, I definitely know that. See, I, I'm already super disappointed with all that, you know. So uh, when you're when you say all these things and then you're just like, yeah, there's no one you root for. They're all bad people. It's like I already feel that. So they're all bad people. There's, there's yeah. like, yeah, there's these these little things of like, well, maybe no. I think there's like one guy that's not too bad, and then mm-hmm. like they're like kind of employees. They seem okay, but the actual figureheads. There's this guy, Doctor. Antley, I think. Oh, what a what a bad dude. What a guy. What a guy. But he's like, and he's like, probably the the face of like, hey, yeah, we should keep this going. He's like, he's a pet elephant. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? What? Mm-hmm. He, he rides around on it. It's <laughs> like, okay. I mean, so in one sense, I think it's good that other people can see this, so that they can see how bad the world is. Because I, some some other people don't know already, but on the on the other side, it's like I already know that I already know there's horrible things going on, so I don't need to watch it for myself. But I guess if it helps other people see how bad people are, I don't know if that's going to be the thing though. I don't know if that's what people are watching this for. Do you think this is going to make it? Well, no, not at all. Because that's the one thing I see a lot of people on, like all over social media that are just making the jokes about it, and it's like I get it. It's I don't know. Maybe the monoculture is a thing, Jared. Yep. Maybe it is. Well, I don't know. Anymore. I mean, this. This. I mean, it kind of like yeah. It's a far cry from making a murderer. Uh yeah. So like in the sense that making a murderer was a good show. Well, making a murderer at least has like some sort of like like hey, the American justice system is horrible. Yeah. This is kind of like what the fuck is up with America? And you, <laughs> you can help you just like. Be aghast. I mean, obviously, not all of America is like this, but there's these there's these pockets, and uh, it's kind of like it, by the end of it, you're kind of like, oh, just let him go, <laughs> let him go. He didn't really do anything that bad, and you're just like, holy shit, this is this is the world we live in. Like, do you because mm-hmm. now you're reading these follow ups because there's always these follow up uh, articles about where are they not now, mm-hmm. and you read this stuff, and it's like, yeah, like. You you know a lot of it's bullshit. It's editing. It's very uh, carefully compiled, and like a lot of people say, yeah, I thought we were making this type of documentary, but it turned into this. But I mean, <laughs> after after they make this for five years, probably the emphasis of it changes because the the nature of what happens changed. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of um, I don't know. N- none of these people are going to be able to have a real fair shake of themselves of uh, however they present mm-hmm. themselves after the fact. But I don't know. It was. Uh, those seven episodes way easier to watch but i love this true crime stuff uh i love the yeah i love the carnival-esque i love this stuff so this is right up my alley of like darkness but and like sure. i'd say that like for the most part like there's not i don't really know if there's too much cringy animal cringy, beyond the whole fact that this is like mm. the entire enterprise is flawed and like horrible but it shouldn't mm-hmm. exist I, I see what you mean. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it, but uh, I'm happy that you got some enjoyment out of it. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to watch next for uh, <sighs> fun documentaries? I don't know. There was one on Crave that looked good. It was called like New Eden or something. It was about like a female, like a uh, female, uh, like cult or something like that. New Sounded cool. Eden, eh? Let me check it out here. Let me uh, show you what it's all about. Ah. <sighs> Or if you had a suggestion for something that you were going to watch. No. Well, 
No. I, I watched I, that Dark Side of the Ring thing. You could. New Eden. Former cult leaders turned convicts. Catherine uh, and Grace are interviewed about New Eden for the first time. Using archival, archival footage, interviews, and new clips, they begin to take us through the events that transform New Eden from a feminist utopia into a drug-addled alien worshiping oh, disaster space. It's the super, it's the Smallville thing. Not to mention the murders. Oh, is this where they, the Smallville lady was sending sex slaves? I think, is it not? It's gotta, I don't know. It's got to be. It's got to be that's the same That's pretty thing. wild. I mean, that's like the most recent thing that comes to mind is that. But that, well, that, is, that had a weird name though. That one had like some like multi like had numbers in yeah. it or something like that. I thought those were like real sex slaves, like sent to like some kind of like hard place in Europe where no one gets out alive kind of place. <laughs> oh, it's like it's called the NXIVM. That's the name oh, of yeah. that cult. Nivix. Nivum Nix Nix something? I don't you know. You should you should watch Smallville during this uh oh, 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 I could barely take it when it aired. <laughs> just think the, the the nonsense of uh Lex Luthor hanging out in a coffee shop just maybe so blogging. So mad. Well, that's okay. Well, I hope you find a new interesting documentary that you can get behind in these trying times. Next Nexium. Nexium? That's yeah. what it was called? Oh, yeah. NXM. Well, it's, but but it's like yeah, N X I V M. Yeah, these people see cults. Hmm. Cults are bad stuff, dude. Yeah, they're bad, bad, bad. Well, that's it for my creepment. Uh, got any cool. news? I can happily report that there's no new movie news, but I did see today that Rambo: Last Blood was just added to Amazon Prime. Holy shit. You can finally And this is movie news. I can finally watch it. You can finally do it. I'm and doing it this week. Nice. Can't wait to hear about it for next week. Any uh news on your end? Movie news, boy. Well, I know that like in the comic world, uh mm. sh- shit's getting real. How come? Well, uh Diamond Comics has stopped mm-hmm. shipping, but they've so they shop, yeah. So Diamond Comics, the the monopoly that distributes mm-hmm. all comic books in uh, North America, mm-hmm. they do Marvel, DC, all that. They stopped shipping. They stopped receiving comics from printers last week, and said that's it. Until this is all done, we're not doing anything. Partly mm-hmm. because they know that anything they ship out to comic stores, they're probably not going to get paid for. So why right. do that? But they've also just recently uh, informed the publishers, oh hey, we're not paying you. Anytime soon. <laughs> oh, so there you go. yeah, ramifications of that. Uh, who knows? Easy peasy, eh? Yeah, not in that sense. You know what I mean, yeah. though. So it's... I mean, that's wild. And then, because like, on the flip side, you have movie theater, like movie like companies that are just like putting stuff on hold. And actually, the thing I'm curious about that I haven't really gone into too much. I don't see like and no one I follow on Twitter really talks about this part. But like, obviously, movie productions must be being put on hold. I think they were all canceled, no? Yeah, or right. Like, like all they, postponed. Yeah, across er, the board. Er, everything's like on pause. So I, like this yep. is like the ramifications of this. <laughs> like, there's going to be a mm-hmm. period of time where, like, I mean, well, there's probably there's not going to be any new movies coming out for like a, a window, and it'll be like, oh, well, like, even because right now the, there's like a, there's like people don't want to release movies, which will probably help fill that gap because everything mm-hmm. will just get pushed back slightly, and it'll kind of patch over that. But yeah, yeah it's uh, the amount of money. Uh, an impact like it's so unfathomable 
Like that's yeah. just that's just like one industry that is like its own like nation state that is Hollywood. Right. Mm. No, I I think I know what you mean. I think more than anything, it'll just be like the next three months there won't be any movies released because uh, the movies that were like halted production, it's like well they were gonna come out next year anyway, so it's like put them back two three months whatever. But there was uh, a ton of movies that like um every they just uh. I think it was Sony. All the movies that they had coming out in the next six months, they just delayed till next year. They oh. said it's going to come out same month next year instead or something like. Because I did see that like Morbius movie yeah. with your buddy Jared Leto <laughs> was supposed to come out like June or July and they pushed it to March next year. Well, remember when people were saying how crazy it was that James Bond was getting pushed back to November? And everyone oh, was yeah. like getting pissed off about that. And it's like, what? Uh-huh. A bunch of belly acres. It's like, well. <laughs> mm-hmm. well see, and see, that's the thing. I was like, well, what are you going to do about it, man? No. What are you going to just like release it and just call it a day? I don't know. Yes. This business doesn't work that way. <sighs> well, when's your movie coming out? Uh, on, you mean this one? Yeah. If they made a uh, cri- this should have been earlier, but if they made a Criterion Creeps movie, who do you think they would cast as you and me? Well, we got Jake Gyllenhaal over there. Sure. Um, maybe I'll be Phil Spector. Uh, is it Ch- uh, Chet Hanks? Chet Hanks is that a is that a different son of Tom Hanks? Uh, are you saying Chet doesn't exist? I've never heard of a Chet Hanks. You you before. you you missed the Chet news. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't know any of this stuff. I have no idea what you're talking about. Look, you can look up Chet. Chet Hanks. Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Chet. You okay. so you honestly missed the I don't whole know who so Chet you you totally is. missed the whole thing about him at the Golden Globes doing the Jamaican accent. I don't know who this guy is. I've never heard of this guy. It's Tom Hanks's son. And so what was he doing? Some inappropriate stuff? Or? He was uh, doing a patois uh, accent, like he was like somebody oh. in a uh, the harder they come. Really? And how was that received? Uh, it's the internet, RJ. You uh, you decide. I um. Well, this is news to me, but uh, I don't think you're a Chet how, Hanks. How do I know this and you don't? Like, this is your, like, what have you been doing? Substitute teaching or something? I'm trying to stay off the internet. Yeah, what the hell? I always saw you more of a Bruce Valanche. Bruce, oh yeah, always old Bruce Valanche. <laughs> that a Chet Hanks. Well, I just mean it's, uh, you guys have similar personalities. Yeah, well, I mean, thanks Thanks. He seems like a pretty good guy. He never got any. He never did a Rastafarian accent on the Golden Globes. <laughs> That's true. That is so, true. Who would you rather be associated with? Is the point. Well, let's see here. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Okay. Well, agreed. Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Bruce Valanche <laughs> coming at ya. Coming at ya. Well, Peace. we got a movie to talk about. Sure. After the break, uh, we are going to submit our podcast to the vigorous system of the bureaucratic system, and we will be submitting and resubmitting it to Apple 
and mm-hmm. hopefully by the time that this episode is finished recording, you might be listening to it. But maybe not. Maybe it'll be at Public Works. Maybe it will be it, 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 with the sewage division, perhaps the firefighters. They need podcasts, too. Why? why are they busy? They're just fucking lazy. You said it, man.
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Ikiru from 1952, directed by Akira Kurosawa. The tagline, RJ, for this film. Mm-hmm. A big story of a little man which will grip your soul. <laughs> that guy, uh, whatever person wrote that, uh, is really swinging for the fences, eh? Kenji Watanabe is a middle-aged man who has worked in the same monotonous bureaucratic position for decades. Learning he has cancer, he starts to look for the meaning of his life. Have you found the meaning of your life yet, Jer? Uh, you're looking at it right now, buddy. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. I'll be Continue. singing. I'll be singing a mournful song <laughs> soon. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll sing Danny Boy at uh, your memoriam. Oh, Danny Boy. Uh, he made a park one day. What a great guy. A, a podcast park of the imagination for children all around the world. That's my legacy. Even better. So Akira is a movie I watched for the very first time not that long ago. Oh, yeah. Like uh, what? Like two, three years ago? Yeah. It was kind of like, again, part of the, uh, you know, have we started the podcast at that point? I'm not even sure anymore. Uh, it was like three and a half years ago. Cause probably right at the same, right around that same time. I, I noticed when I watched phantasm, I think it was a month before we started the podcast. It was, so okay. It was actually the beginning of the year in which we began the podcast. So okay. at the time I was just probably knocking off the, the big movies I'd never seen before. Uh, actually there's a few of these actually it's interesting a lot of uh, Ebert great movies because I watched this then I watched Baraka and then I watched Through a Glass Darkly Ivan's Childhood and topped that off with a little I shot Jesse James so were you you just getting ready for Criterion movies I think I was just probably going through a pile of Criterion DVDs and Blu-rays that I had that I hadn't watched oh look at Fat Girl that's how soon is Fat Girl like Two months from us? Three months? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway, that's another kettle of fish. So sure. I, I had never seen this movie. I just knew it by mm-hmm. its reputation. Uh, I mean, you have guys like Roger Ebert saying that this is Kurosawa's best movie, even above mm-hmm. Seven Samurai. What does he know? Well, he's dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. So... I went into this movie kind of knowing it's, uh, you know, it's got this sad looking old man on the front mm-hmm. and he's on a swing set. And I'd seen like bits and pieces of clips here and there of mm-hmm. uh, like these, these iconic moments of Akiru. But sure. I, I was just kind of like, I don't know. What's this, what's this whole thing about? And so what is this movie about? This is my, of course, my second watch and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a voiceover narration. Yeah, I was surprised by that, to be honest. It's used sparingly, I would say. Yeah, it's like only really when he's in the office at his desk that you actually get yeah. that introduction. And they really lay it on thick. They really mm-hmm. they really tell you about this guy and how he's done nothing. He is a loser. He's just been asleep mm-hmm. at the switch his whole life. And like look at him. He just got he just stamps those papers files things and he's just surrounded by his co-workers that are all kind of like when's this guy going to retire when am mm-hmm. i going to get my shot to be the the top dog in the office to 
rubber stamp things and people come to me for things all the time. I, I wonder if the people who think this actually have ever had that position in their life where they're constantly being pestered about things and how mm-hmm. soul crushing that actually is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I so, think it's true. So this movie opens up with uh, this kind of group of mothers who are mm-hmm. very concerned about this culvert by their home. It's this mosquito infested bog of water that they, they okay. want something done with. They're like, what, what is this? This is disgusting. We're, we're post-war Japan. We're in recovery. We, we got it. We, we want this solved. And of course we get a kind of a play out of how you go to one department and then you get passed on to another department, to another department, to another department, to another department, because nobody really wants to handle anything because mm-hmm. it's work. Uh, you get sure paid, you, you get paid the same no matter what you do. Anything you do, you th- if you have to make a phone call for somebody, or, and geez, like you know, that that can be more phone calls for you. Well, Jared, I don't know how you do work, but uh, if you can minimize the amount you have to do anything. Is probably preferred, right? Right. Right, yeah. So this process goes down. These these sure. women are getting the runaround, going desk to desk, being moved to another department. Because it's always like how creative a bureaucrat can be. This is like the measure of like their creative energy and what they can do mm-hmm. is how to mm-hmm. like minimize their workload and shift that load to somebody else potentially, even if it's temporarily. Because you can sure. – because it's like who can I think of that I could send you to instead of me? That that's the sign of a true success story in uh, in government, I suppose, or any uh, wor- wor- any workplace really has unfortunately yeah. turned to this. And I don't know when this began. If this is sort of like a a, a problem of the last hundred years or so, mm-hmm. but yeah, this is a, a prime example of that here. And even in uh, post-war Japan, nineteen fifty-two, they, they've already got they're yep. right back to th- getting things running uh, real smooth by doing well, nothing. I- I thought the same thing. I like what you're saying. You're like, has this always been a thing? And I was like, well, this is 60 years ago now, and uh, giving us the same runaround they are today, Jer. Well, I mean that we, that dang government. Yeah, I mean the the one movie that popped into my mind a few times watching this was uh, Il Posto. Oh yeah, you yeah, know. it's very similar. Yeah, it's all about the soul crushing reality of life. And, mm-hmm. and, and but this one definitely goes down that more humanist positive note of uh, trying to leave something behind where El Posto seemed a lot more resigned to like sh- I guess shrugging your shoulders and sliding into that desk sliding into those DMs Not into those DMs <laughs> kids really say that a lot now they, right? they do don't they yeah so these these women they're pissed pissed off they're oh, getting they're, they're getting because they're getting the runaround they're, they just want mm. they, they, this should be very simple who do who do they have to talk to to like petition to get this done and nobody can actually answer this question or no one wants to but yeah. of course they go whoa they actually are about to storm out and this is like upsets them because people are supposed to just kind of go along with this and be like yeah okay okay mm-hmm. but they're mad and they're like, kind of like startled by this but they're like well uh, there's nothing we can do if you could put something in writing we can give it to the the section chief but he's away right now which is very unusual. And it's like, where is the section chief? He's never sick. In fact, one more month and he would have been 30 days without a single sick day. 30, 30 like consecutive work days? Because that's not that impressive. <laughs> no? <laughs> well, I mean, when was the last time you took a sick day? Uh, not this year. Not this calendar year. 
Yeah, oh. so you're at you're sitting at like ninety days of without a sick day. Wow, and now we're all on sick days. Well, exactly. I mean, maybe in the the fifties that uh, <laughs> Japanese healthcare system, uh, more people were permitted sick days, but uh, we, we don't know. He, he's not, not anymore. He's, he's not going to take that. He's not going to bite. He's not weak. He doesn't need to. He, yeah. Well, he's a mummy. He just puts around. That's right. So That's all he does. We find uh, uh, Watanabe. He's mm-hmm. in the doctor's office, mm-hmm. and we get this scene that I, I think is like really, really well done. Where uh, there's there's this guy, he's just like chatting up with people in the waiting room, and talking about how uh, he's got this upset stomach, and starts like laying mm-hmm. out to him like, "Oh man, the worst than that guy that went in there. He, they say he's got ulcers, but he doesn't have ulcers. That guy's a goner." And he lays mm-hmm. out everything that uh, Watanabe's going to be told by his doctor here in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, is this a real thing? Is a doctor or doctors just going to lie to you? And like, oh no, it's fine. You're, mm-hmm. you, you, it's nothing much we can do. And then like, there's like, like they, they really rack it up the, uh, the drama here where like the one doctor refuses to turn around and even look him in the eye and the nurse looks and she won't look at him. And the music is yeah. there. Every beat is driven into you because th- there's mm-hmm. everything that he, everything that the doctor says because of what he was told by some guy in a waiting room. He knows the real meaning of it. He knows that he's got the big C in his guts. The big what? Sorry. The big C. Oh, okay. Remember that? Yeah, I was. That show? I was really. Yeah, we watched a little bit of it, and it got real fucking nuts in it, and we were like, "What is this show?" And then we stopped watching. But uh, I was really confused by that too. I was like, what is this world where doctors just outright lie to people? I was like, I don't doubt that it happened. It's just, I've never seen that before. So confusing Confusing. to say the least. So uh, we get this next kind of great piece of filmmaking where uh, Watanabe, he's left the doctor's office and there's Mm -hmm. no sound. And he's just walking down Mm -hmm. the street. And then suddenly uh, as he's about to cross the street, Sound comes blaring back as a truck comes driving by, and suddenly all these vehicles keep whirling by because that really communicates the weight, the uh, response a person would have, probably, mm-hmm. I would guess, to, or actually, in fact, probably to any bad news. When people hear something bad that's like outside of their control, it's like the world just ceases to exist and it makes them kind of fall into this moment of self reflection and it drowns out everything. So it's like mm-hmm. that I thought was uh, pretty, pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And actually, it's... even earlier on too, like all the scenes like in the office, the cameras got moving around these piles of paper. Uh, it's making that office as uh, kinetic as possible just for, from camera work, I guess. I really liked those huge stacks of papers in the office. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a uh, neat little detail, Jarrett. Actually, just thinking about too. There's the other uh, nice little bit with the 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 young woman that's in the office who is laughing to herself, and uh, which of course is not the order of the day here in this office. Uh, She reads a thing about how oh, if one of us wasn't here, no one would miss us. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like everyone kind of looks at one another, and then they look back down and go back to work. Because Mm -hmm. ain't that the truth, though? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I left my job for three weeks here. No one's noticed. Is that the same thing? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. Oh, so it's everybody. It's everybody. Oh, I gotcha. So. I gotcha. Watanabe, he goes home in the dark, sits in his son's room that he lives in with his wife, 
And uh, of course, while he's just sitting there, probably, I guess, waiting to tell his son the bad news, his son and wife return. And they, they're they just talking very callously and openly, like almost like something out of Tokyo story about when's that old man going to leave us that money? We could take that once his pension's up and stuff like that, buy that new house, get out of this dumpy old Japanese house. It's so cold and drafty. And then, of course, they have no idea if he's overheard what he's just said. It's, they never actually say one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just kind of gets up and leaves because he probably doesn't want to actually tell the son about what's going on. And, of course, it's like, what's that all about? That's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. his son, there's some issues there, Jared. You know? Oh, there's there's some there's some issues there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Watanabe, he's going to try to, you know, figure shit out. Mm-hmm. He's going to, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things is like, well, I guess I might as well start drinking, amongst other things. What else are you going to do? Yeah. He meets a pal. At the mm-hmm. bar, here's a story. He's like, hey, if you want to party, you want to do it right, I'll show you a good time. So they go carousing. They go to all these clubs, trying to mm-hmm. meet some ladies. They go uh, you know, go to a song and dance man playing the piano. And he really brings down the place with his own rendition of this old song from the 19-teens, uh, as the subtitles mm. tell us. Because you're like, well, that's, a really, that's like 100 years ago. But when this movie was made, that's only like – just over 30. So it's not like, it'd be like us talking about the seventies. I was going to I was going to say, it'd be talking about like Billy Idol almost, you know, white wedding, Jarrett. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of that song? So it's just like stranger. Just like that. Uh Uh Um, Did you know RJ that uh, there was DreamWorks was thinking about doing an American remake of Akiru starring coronavirus coronavirus star tom hanks <laughs> i i mean what, who's to say that they won't still well it, it was apparently announced in 2004 or something like that mm. and uh, here we are we've dodged that bullet so far <laughs> Who, who's to say it's not it wouldn't be the best movie ever made so we get we get a little bit of flashback action okay. We got to see yep. what uh, the young adventures of uh, what Nobby was when his wife died. It's hilarious. And his mm. young son, who's like, they're following behind the, the, the casket, I guess, as they go, I guess, to the crematorium or mm-hmm. graveyard. And they're like, don't let mommy get away. It's very funny. I, I don't know. Where, where is she going to get away to? Exactly. Stupid kid. <laughs> uh, we get introduced to what Nobby's brother. His the, the uh-huh. uncle who I will say at the end of this movie, like I, I it was like unintentional hilarity. <laughs> uh, in in what way? Okay, well, just remind me about it. We'll get there as I okay. do as we do this recap. Okay. Um, so he gets loaded, and of course he spends the night out. Doesn't know where he is, uh, and then he's you know recovering, and he runs into the girl from the office. That he hasn't seen for a while because he's just been taking mm-hmm. he's been taking time off you know off of work you know mm-hmm. get, getting better and uh, they start hanging out and having a good time and he really enjoys like maybe because the first guy he was with was like a man like half his age um, but he could relate to but it was like kind of emptiness you know hanging like trying to, like oh we're gonna like, have sex with these two women and it's like yeah that seems like a great fun mm-hmm. idea this is gonna be wonderful so that doesn't really mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't really capitalize on that moment. Um, 
But then he meets the young woman, and he's like, oh, I'm just like being somebody so youthful, filled with life, makes me feel alive myself, takes my mind off of my troubles. But he's pushing it, and he brings her back to the house, and everyone's like, whoa, 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 what's this guy doing? He's got this younger lady now. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this is very scandalous. And it's like, man, this guy's just a horn dog. Well, I mean, it depends on how you define that, Jarrett. It all depends. It all depends. <laughs> Uh, I do so. This is like kind of like where we set up the thing with the uh, the uncle saying like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what he's doing," <laughs> and it's like that's just what you'd be doing," says uh, his wife. And then of course, um, the son has a confrontation because he's like now he's very concerned about this. He's like, "Hey, you're spending all this money on this dame." <laughs> well, he doesn't. There's a question about the inheritance, Jarrett. Of course, it's oh, like there's always there's always worry about the inheritance. Well, and like, I mean, he makes a good point. He says, you know, you go out and hit up these ladies. That's all well and good. But our inheritance is at stake here. He says, do you want your grandkids to get nothing? Mm-hmm. Do you? Do you? And then, and then you say, huh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Neither here nor there for this guy. Mm. Unless he wants that money. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, girls getting a little creeped out by this old guy. They have nothing to talk about, and uh -huh. he tries to explain, sputtering, stuttering along, because he hasn't really had to be challenged on anything. He just has kind of gone through life, adjusting in his glasses, looking up mm -hmm. and down, looking over details of documents, stamping them, going home, probably eating a bowl of rice, a little bit of soy sauce on that, going to sleep. That's probably mm -hmm. That's probably it for him. But, uh, you know, finally he returns to the office after having a blow with the sun and just being like, well, I guess it's back to fucking work for me. I've, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> and then right on the top of that pile of work he's got to do, he takes a look at it. It's this application to build a, a park, uh, at this take care of this culvert thing. He's like, this mm -hmm. is it. This is the thing I'm going to do. And he's all full of piss and vinegar. He's going to get this done. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, slow down there. And uh, then the movie kind of does a quick little, this is about the first hour and a half of the movie. Cause this movie is mm -hmm. two hours, 20 minutes. We transition to his funeral. He's fucking dead. Well, the narrator declares our protagonist has died. <laughs> yep. At, like an hour in. And I went, whoa. And then what the, now? And then the next 40 minutes mm -hmm. are his wake. Where yes. we get to watch uh, a room full of bureaucrats get more and more intoxicated rapidly, r like fucking shit faced, like crawling on their hands and knees. Oh, what a what a sloppy mess! As all these people, they're all starting to like trying to figure out what what was going on back there, and like filling all <laughs> the gaps. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, you find out there's the deputy mayor who's there, who's been taking credit for building this park. And uh, this, this, this newspaper man, they're saying, are you really sure you, you single-handedly built this thing? We, we've been hearing around the around the park that this Watanabe guy was really there, but he didn't take any credit for it. Are you taking credit for something you did? Oh, preposterous. Of course not. And everyone's, of course, sucking up to this guy because, you know, mm -hmm. the, the bureaucracy. And then he mm -hmm. leaves. And then, of course, they're, they're talking more and more. And as they sound out all this stuff, they start realizing, hey, wait a minute. I think I think he did know he had cancer. I'm very confident. He said something very interesting, and they, they play this out for a while. I actually really mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the ridiculousness of the way that this is done. Um, 
Like I, I do too, because it really sticks it to the sun. Because the sun's such a piece of shit. He's just having and, to sit there and listen to this. Well, yeah, but yeah. it's it's like it's deserved though, because he was such an asshole. And then he's like, no, no, no. He's like, listen, if my dad had cancer, I would have known about it. And they're like, well, I mean, he did say he's got nothing to live for. He's going to die soon, and this is all he has left. So maybe he knew. Maybe. They do really ham it up. Oh yeah, there's a lot of uh, I don't know if you call this melodrama, but it, it's definitely some of that going on. I don't know. They mm-hmm. they they heap it on. They heap it on. The 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 mothers come to pay uh, respects and they start weeping. They find mm-hmm. his hat miraculously appears from the police officer who comes who feels really bad for not like checking on what he thought was an old rummy passed out on the swings. Mm-hmm. Um. What would you would have thought if you saw an old guy on a swing? I'd run away. It's probably it's probably a vampire. What kind of vampire though? The sexual one or the other kind? A little bit of both. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh. So we got a sounding board. The audience becomes a sounding board. Listen to these people realize, oh man, what have we done with our lives? We're mm-hmm. we're, we're never going to let this happen ourselves. We're going to do it all. And then someone goes like, bullshit. No, you're not. Like, it takes an exceptional person to do any of the things that he did, mm-hmm. and uh, which is true. And, uh, oh, we also get the the one thing that probably is, like, the most ridiculous thing in this whole movie is when the, the gangsters show up, <laughs> the, the Yakuza, and they have a stare down oh, yeah. <laughs> in that flashback. Just show because, like, the, the lead guy, he showed up. He looked him in the eyes, and he just looked at him and went, oh, man, I can't convince this dude. He's he's got too steely of a resolve. Like, but they don't say it. But it's just like it's it's very silly. <laughs> well, it's like to show that it's like he had he he had no regard for his own well being, and it's because it, the guy's like, "Do you even respect your own life?" And he goes, "No." <laughs> and then it's like, "Oh shit, he really didn't have anything to live for." Yeah. And you're like, "All right, yeah, all right." All right. <laughs> so after hearing all this. Uh, the son is just like, oh my god, I, I'm a fucking idiot. And my favorite is when <laughs> the uncle comes to the back room. He's like, hey, I don't, th- I don't think that was really his girlfriend after all. I, I like, thought that. it's like so stupid. I'm like, wow, he's really slow on the uptake. Like, because it's like at that moment, it's just like the weirdest thing. I'm like, because it's supposed to be funny, or like that's his mm-hmm. realization. But like, you're like, this guy's such a loser. Like, he's he's so dumb. But I mean, that's family sometimes. It's just people in general, you know. But we we do get the uh, in this whole like period, we get the the thing where the doc the not doc doctor the uh, the police officers talks about the the singing. And we get that sequence, which is uh, very affecting. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then uh, we go back to like, hey, everything's going to work out great. All these bureaucrats, they're going to go back to their offices, and they're really going to like change society. Do they? Nope. No, they don't. They go <laughs> what right. What about they, the they one get, guy? The one guy, he gets his promotion. He gets. Uh, he's right back there stamping, and it's already begun. And like they all like the one guy does stand up. He's like, "Hey, hey!" And then they all look at him that with that like slow eye as they look up. And he goes, "Oh!" And then he sits back down. The one guy who's like, you know, he's gonna do it. He's gonna change this thing. But it's it's not as easy as it looks. 
And uh, we get a nice little coda of the children on the swings, activating the space. The, the users, uh, as mm-hmm. we talk about in um, urban planning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the movie ends. What happens then? Where, what, where does the sequel take us? Uh, Ikiru 2? Yeah. No so, Time to Die? Sorry, Jay. What, yeah. what is it to live? Uh, I think when you stay home and you don't uh, interact with social settings, some would call that living. I would think um, I myself, I prefer to uh, repurpose my old uh, leftovers into things like shepherd's pie. I'd say that's a good way to live. What about you? Sounds good to me. How do you live, Jared? What's a, if, if someone was like, show me how to live, my man, what would you do? These are, uh, these are above my pay grade. You don't, you don't know either. You got yet? No. I don't think anybody knows, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? No, most people don't. We live our, our small little lives, our small hmm. little problems, bouncing around. Maybe sometimes we play a little pachinko. Little pachinko. I've never played a little pachinko. Yeah. Well, you, you get to learn all about it here. What do you um? What do you think it's all about? This movie, just living. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's uh. <laughs> no hidden messages. No. No. <laughs> okay. Nothing at all. It's pretty. It's all out there. So I mean, this movie definitely. I feel belongs to the, the, the trilogy I've been talking about this Umberto yeah. D Tokyo story, Ikiru. Yeah, I agree. They're kind of like what happens in the later stages of your life. This mm-hmm. one, this one's more in the long lines of like wild strawberries where it's a man who's like reflecting on his life. But this one's because he's got a theoretical uh, or metaphorical gun to his head. Like as in he has, yeah. a, he knows he's his time is short. He thinks he has a year. He doesn't even have that, and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes uh, to get his vision accomplished. That's that's a it's an undertaking. It definitely is. That's kind of like what we're doing right now. That's right. We're just pushing and pushing, trying to get it all done. Get it all through there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, like it's what what can you say about Akiru? It's a very good movie. Sure. Yes, it is. Um, I agree. I I don't I know some people who like talk about wailing and weeping and watching this movie. It breaks them. I mm. I'm not there. I'm not there with people. Um, I would say that uh, Umberto D just because mm-hmm. of that, that goddamn dog get get gets me more for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Like that that stuff. It's just as manipulative as anything in this movie too. But that that's like my 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 thing. That's the one get mm-hmm. me. I don't know if uh, Takashi Shimura's uh, eyes and, and sad face uh, get me the same way. Yeah. Um, or th- there's some there's like a, there's a subtle simplicity to the Tokyo Story tale where it's just like there's no big drama to it. The death is off camera, which is also in this too. Like you don't actually see him expire and die, um, but there's a lot. It's a bit more of an exciting movie. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there is like a an American quality to Akiru that uh, Kurosawa has always been accused of by, I think his uh, like Japanese audiences that his stuff was too American, and like Ozu is very Japanese in, yeah, in, in storytelling. Like, like I don't know, 
I think, I think I, this movie is I like his. It's, it's his most well-regarded movie. Like it, it's, it's up. It's in there with, in the conversation with Seven Samurai and uh, whatever else you want to throw mm-hmm. in there for everyone's preferences. Rashomon or Ran and stuff like that. Sure, but yeah, I mean, this is like it's it's not an action set piece. Like it, it is a drama, which he isn't like his most talked about things are all genre pieces, and this is uh, it's it, it's it's a drama. For, mm-hmm. as, as its genre and doesn't like, have any like you know it's got no samurais western influences or anything like that it's just a simple story um apparently if i recall is based on a novella Akiru? yeah sure uh, I, I would believe you if you said it was well we're would, not would, a would you, would information you, podcast so we can't uh, comment. tolstoy tolstoy's the death of ivan Ilyich. tolstoy tolstoy that fucking guy. Have you ever read any Tolstoy? I have. Uh, have I? Yeah, so moving right along. Moving um, right along. I don't know about this Americanized thing. I mean, I understand it, but uh, I don't really feel like that when I watch Kurosawa movies. I feel like Kurosawa just made good movies, and maybe they're fast-paced, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they come at you real good, but... Uh, never like bummed me out or anything like that. And I wasn't ever watching it being like, man, this is American. This is like face off with John Woo. You know what I mean, Jer? He doesn't know, but that's okay. That's okay. So, uh, Akiru, uh, you were mentioning, I think Umberto D and, uh, like Tokyo story. I feel the same way where I think those ones had a little bit more weight to them. Umberto D probably because of that nice little doggo. I also think like Tokyo story is maybe, um, maybe the sadder one because you really feel it, like the kids being ungrateful. But, uh, I think like Akiru still like, uh, I, I really liked it. I think it's, it's great. It is a sad show, but uh, I think those other two are sadder for my own personal life because I, I get with them a little bit more, even though when we watched Tokyo story, I was like, well, it's not that sad, but, uh, watching this one now, it's like, yeah, I think Tokyo story might have a little bit more sadness to it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I find that the, like the father and son dynamic in this, it seems like it just comes down to like shitty communication <laughs> from everybody. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's all it is. And even like, uh, like you don't get it a ton. Like you under, you do see when he's not with the son, he's talking about like he's just like yeah, my son's just not really a good guy. He doesn't really care, and uh, I don't feel like I have a son no more. And then you're like, oh shit, that's sad. This but par- there, this, this park is my son. <laughs> the park is my son now, and he's like, and you, this lady, you are also my son now, and she's like, all right, okay, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I um, I think those other two are sadder. But uh, Akira is a pretty sad show, and uh, I do think it, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's a good show. You um, I do like how I I just like Kurosawa movies in general. Like I maybe they are Americanized. Maybe that's why I like them. The uh, American oh. sniper version of Japanese cinema. Yeah, I I have no idea if the American criticism even exists. I know at one point it did by like some critics but most mm-hmm. people don't care like at all yeah yeah no and i find that like um i don't know i find it uh i get it but at the same time it's like i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i i like kurosawa for i don't know i just think he makes real smooth movies like even this one too like the narrator when when the movie started and we had the narrator i was like huh 
was like, this movie's fucking narrated. I was like, what's that about? But then it doesn't come up again until like that change in yeah. story where you're like, well, our protagonist died. And I was like, Oh shit. And then I think it really gets into like fine art, artisanal filmmaking at that point <laughs> where, uh, where it's all these guys talking and they're like, okay, listen, they're like, he didn't do that much to make this part is like, everyone's given him credit. Like now they're like, but he didn't really do that much. And then they will be like, and I'll tell you why. And then it'll do like a little flashback and it'll cut to like someone's memory, but it actually shows that he did do a lot. And then it was like, Oh, Look at look how ironic it is, Jared. And then like you do get all those people who do champion him and they're like, no, no. They're like, he did way more than anyone else. And people like still there's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> Come on. Come on. But uh, so I, I think it's it's a nice little back and forth they do right there. So I liked that quite a bit. Quite a bit. Oh, and uh, one thing in terms of the sadness, you know what is the saddest shit ever is uh when um the son calls the dad and he's going to walk up the stairs and then the son's like oh can you lock the door all right see you later and then it cuts back to the dad on the stairs and he's just kind of standing there just real sad (laughs) just real goddamn sad Jarrett. i was like oh shit i was like that's some sad stuff right there some real real sad stuff that's some blade two level of uh hitting you in the feels (laughs) <laughs> if you know what I mean, those these are similar movies, right? So you say. I I could compare anything to Blade Two. If I try hard enough. So uh, you never asked, but uh, I think Akira is a pretty good show. Yeah, pretty good show, Jer. It's got a nice little somber ending, and uh, it it's a little long. Yeah, <laughs> at two twenty, it's a little long. The 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 kind of middle bit where he's like living life with his uh writer drunk pal mm-hmm. that that stuff i i do kind of uh and i remember watching it initially being like i'm going to check what's happening in the news right now mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, I, i've seen this before and it's like there's nothing like that engaging with that stuff like it's just kind of mm-hmm. like antics and it's like okay curse was shooting the shit out of this stuff though he's making these clubs seem very exciting and a lot of fun people moving yeah. through the spaces it's kind of cool seeing you know 1950s because uh, it is it's contemporary too that's like one thing when i was talking about genre i guess like the one thing to mention too is like you either have high and low as sort of like these genre points that are like contemporary films. This is a movie that is set in 1952 Japan. And this mm-hmm. is about a guy who works in an office and there's no like plot. There's no hitman. Um, it's just, Hey, this is a, this is as close to Ozu that he gets, I guess, as far as like depicting like a guy doing his thing. There's no hitman. There's no, not that, not that I noticed uh, unless you watch a different cut. Uh, well, remember when John Woo showed up and then there was that book that was hollowed out and there was a gun in it. Right. And the gun had cancer. That was Parabellum, I think, or something. Oh, I think Parabellum means to to live or something like that too. Rough translation. I think it's also uh, Tolstoy. Oh, Tolstoy? More like, um, Michael Cera, am I right? I don't know where that came from. I don't know. Was he in a movie where he played Tolstoy? Or was that like Anton Yelchin? <laughs> Tolstoy. I'll look into old Leo here, the Russian man. Maybe it was Anton Yelchin. So yeah, this movie, I feel, does run 
on the long side. A little long? Yeah, Is, that's fine. I mean, perhaps people like I, I've seen masterpiece lobbed out there. Mm, some would say. I mean, I think that's fine too. If people want to call it that. I mean, I don't know. Where, I think I, I, think I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know where you start trimming a, a masterpiece for anything like that. But what would you call a masterpiece? Well, I mean, I I, I think I said Tokyo Story was, but uh, ah, well, that's fine. Passion of Joan of Arc. Uh, Passion of the Christ. Did you say? <laughs> nope. Because I agree with you a hundred percent. No, hundred percent. You got any other uh, things you want to talk about with Akiru? Um, you got some notes, don't you? A lot of them are things I wanted to take screenshots of, but uh, Criterion yeah, Channel was of, down. Yeah, there was a lot of like I think very like RJS quotes that were popping up in this bad well, boy, and now um, you're full of it. Here's a look behind the uh, the glass, uh, how the sausage is made. I just write timestamps and then one word. So here's some of the things I wanted to screenshot: uh, corpse, death diarrhea face creeps sad face paper so uh when i make these notes i don't write anything more so sometimes when i look back at it i'm like i don't really know what i meant by that what does diarrhea mean well there's but, the, uh, i think that's like the what you get when you have the stomach cancer diarrhea of course it is of course it is. So that that's the majority of my notes with my timestamps, but uh, I can't uh, access those at the moment, and uh, that's too bad. So uh, no, I I think it's a good show. Uh, I like it. Uh, as I say, it's a good show. Um, I do think um, since it's it's just so recent, I think Tokyo Story is a little bit sadder. But uh, that old man climbing up the stairs, sad stuff. And I do think it's pretty fine artisanal film crafting uh the way that after he dies the way it's kind of um put together and all summarized even if like the yakuza thing is a little bit silly very which 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 it is uh even with that in case uh i do think that all that that latter day stuff is is done pretty well yeah i don't know how much that adds to the uh story (laughs) well it's it's like like he's so he just asked how much he didn't care and it's just like hmm in another movie, in another film, this would make sense, but it's just like out of nowhere. There's this yeah. guy, he's got the, the scar along his mouth and the sunglasses, the tufts. And you're like, cause I'm like, oh, because uh, I started uh, hearing the uh, Battles with Without Honor uh, uh, music, which is amazing. But uh, I was just thinking of that in, as he walked away. Did you say Battles the Without Honor? 2 soundtrack that is amazing battles without honor and humanity the, ah. the, the the theme music of that popped in my mind and i was like hmm interesting so i gotcha i gotcha yeah. so we got a little bit of a little bit of genre thrown in there just for to show hey it's the real heroes who get like kids like playground equipment put in they're the real heroes it's not it's not like the, the cops it's not the guys fighting the the yakuza it's the guy who can stand down eye to eye and give him that death gaze because he's like i got nothing mm-hmm. to lose i'm dying well what if you had nothing to lose jared what would be your uh like dying throw <laughs> i don't know what a random thing well, I, I, I think I just beaten you to the puncher because usually you send off on something. Yeah, like that, exactly. But, uh, I'm, that's your job. 
I, I I realize that, but how do you like when the tables have been turned, my friend? Yakuza style. I don't like it at all. That's what the Yakuza is known for, right? <laughs> so you want to hear about some real chuds? <laughs> the, the, these, the, they who hate Akiru? Sure. Do you want me to read the first two uh, lowest ratings for these? Okay. There's two one stars. One's from H-Bowl. Uh, Chato... De senesa rio plat idiota e cheo de gente fia. That's uh, from H. Bull. And then Gatzin de Mengarung said, e bo boy, sia tat plata mort osa ariti. So I just thought I would uh, hit you with those since uh, I know you're not one of those uh, foreign speakers. I speak many languages. So. <clears throat> I'm Mooney, one star. Sure. Out of sure. the many Kurosawa films I've watched and adored, Akiru was really tedious. Not because I knew it was going to be a tearjerker, but the fact that it was too blunt for my liking. Somehow I felt this film lacked the empathy I needed to understand and comprehend the struggles of the main character. Kurosawa is known for his very tranquil-paced films, but Akiru felt like a million years to finish watching. It was quite irritating, to say the least. Perhaps I need a second viewing soon. But... The gondola uh, no uta song scene ruined me. Okay, um, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. He could be ruined by that scene, but then also give the movie one star. Yeah, their uh, ratings are a little bit wacky, my man. There's only like, I don't know, uh, thirteen uh, five, five star films, but I find it funny that they say that the movie was too blunt. But some of their five star films include The Matrix Reloaded. And the Suspiria remake. So it's like blunt, hey? And Kill Bill 1, but not Kill Bill 2, Jer. I know you're not a fan of Kill Bill 2, but... Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Half-star films include The Mummy with Tom Cruise, Insidious 2, and uh, Pearl Harbor, directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> so? B.V. One star. Mm-hmm. How ironic. A film all about loving life makes me want to die. <laughs> crazy. What a crazy kook, this person. One of their favorite films is Blade Runner 2049. What are you going to do? Portrait of a Lady on Fire, they gave five stars. Very, uh, you know, I'm I'm starting to get hate for that movie just because of the love for it. Because you're a Some contrarian. Would say that- Sure. Five star films include Blade Runner 2049, Aroma, Cleo from five to seven. Call me by your name. La La Land, <laughs> X-Men First Class. <sighs> Next up, McLovin, one and a half star. Ooh, how'd that guy get in there with that name? This is exactly like Breaking Bad with a fucking children's park instead of drugs. I don't think it is at all. <laughs> well, he faces down uh, gangsters. Yeah. I win. Don't you remember that part when he says that in the movie? <laughs> I just remember when the old Japanese man dying of cancer was like, I am the one who knocks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, good job, Brian Cranston. Uh, five stars to the Lego movie. Phantom of the Opera. 
apparently. Um, Life of Pi. Which one? Which Phantom of the Opera? Oh, uh, let's see this. Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert Hall 2011. So is that a live performance? Probably. I don't know. Uh, what else here? Jesus Camp. I don't know what that is. Documentary. Um, actually, some pretty good shows they have five stars here for, like Tremors. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the Hurt Locker. Um. Uh, yeah, some of these are actually not bad movies. When Harry Met Sally, someone else had gave that five stars. I'm not reading any of these, but they're just good shows like Unforgiven, Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they give Straw Dogs five stars. I wouldn't give it five stars, but it's an okay show. Thin Blue Line. So, you know, not bad movies to give five stars to. Mm-hmm. Let's look at these half-star films. Oh. Jarrett. <laughs> Leaving Neverland, they gave half a star. So I guess they think that Michael Jackson didn't rape all those people. Um, Spice World, half a star. Dumb and Dumber, half a star. Oh, come on. Preposterous. Come on. So there you go. Um, Yeah, that's good enough. Okay. I was going to read Rich Pure Doom, but no. Nah. Uh, who rich pure doom favorite films are <laughs> dawn of the dead life and death of colonel blimp nashville and bridge on the river Kwai. you know okay well i not have to read this i may end up having have the to. well i may end up uh, having the lowest review for akiru on all of letterbox but i gotta give it to you straight here Akiru absolutely sucks. It is an avalanche of sentiment anchored by a horrendous and annoying performance by Takashi Shimura. Man, if I had to look at Shimura and his wide-eyed sad face for one more minute, I was going to turn this thing off. It seemed like, to me, like he had more than just stomach cancer. He could barely control his speaking or his facial contortions. Shimura is so hell-bent on begging for audience sympathy here, it's as though there's no faith in Kurosawa or the script. The ending scenes of politicians talking about Watanabe's life are endless and excruciating to endure. We get it. He was a good man who helped build a park. Does anybody care that he wasted the previous 30 years of public service doing absolutely nothing and it took stomach cancer to finally kick him in the ass? The one and a half stars are for the scenes toward the beginning, hanging out with the local drunk. I, what, what are, what's their issue with this, though? I don't really get it. They didn't like it. Oh. You know what else they didn't like at half stars? Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. The Big Chill, Contact, Tom Jones, strange half star films, indeed, Jer. Indeed, some Criterion's too. Yeah, I see that. Two of those bad boys. Yep. Um, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. any last thoughts you want to get out there before uh, you, you're dying on that swing? I don't have any like intelligent things to say about movies. I think it's a good show. Check it out. Check it out. Uh huh. After the break, we go back to the bureaucratic life that we're always meant to do and Mm -hmm. uh, shrug our shoulders and look down at our work. What are we going to do then? Wait for the stomach cancer. Is it good stomach cancer or bad? It's like, is that like good Hodgkins? There's a good Hodgkins, no?
RJ. Yeah. Public park playgrounds. Threat or menace? Uh, well, our province has deemed them off limits, so menace. Take, take that as you will. Uh, I read something about some weird couple in London, Ontario, Canada, who were going Ooh. around uh, tearing around, like tearing down police tape or whatever. That's like kind of sealed off playground equipment, and they were mumbling, "We're free because we're free." <laughs> they could get charged with terrorism, no? Well, one can hope. I hope. You can email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your terroristic acts during the coronavirus pandemic. <clears throat> we got a page. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. Mm-hmm. We're on Patreon, YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, RedTube, Stitcher, mm-hmm. iTunes, Google Play, Pornhub. Sure. Next week, mm-hmm. Spine 222. Really? That's kind of fun. What's that? Robert Brasson's Diary of a Country Priest from 1951. Hmm. Who's Robert Brasson? Uh, the big Mac Daddy of them all. Mac and cheese? That's right. What does he do? You know his work. Right. You do. Robert Brasson, Country Priest. I'll look into it. Okay. Robert Brasson, A Man Escaped, Pickpocket. I've only seen one of this guy's movies. Mm-hmm. Which movie was it? I don't know. I think it's his lesser movie, Le Dame du Bois Boulogne. What that? Du Bois? Du Bois, Yes. That was an okay show. He's a goofy French bastard, RJ. What that? Du Bois? Du Bois, And next week, we're going to be joined by a friend of the show. Which one? I'll be telling <gasps> Wink. Well, until then, I guess. Until then. Good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, good luck. <laughs>